Hi, this is Jalen for Dobbs, where tire buying is easy. At GoToDobbs.com, shop brands, sizes, pricing, and our amazing deals. With 40-plus locations, get same-day install. For tires, it's Dobbs. For deals you can use, click on GoToDobbs.com now. This is the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. everyone and welcome to a happy Friday Eve on 101 ESPN. It is the opening drive. It's Brooke Grimsley and Super Bowl champ Kerry Davis. It's Randy Carricker for the next three hours. Sunshine lollipops today. It's seven o'clock. Your time check brought to you by Clarkson Jewelers, an officially licensed Rolex jeweler. And I hope that uh, Brooke Grimsley and Kerry Davis are not the sorts that lose sleep over a tough cardinal loss. Are you? Oh, I slept fine. I slept fine too, brother. Uh, I had a few nightmares, and then I yeah. realized that it wasn't. Oh, you just... were to sleep. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it actually happened. It's been a dream, a nightmare. <laughs> so we're going to talk to Greg Amsinger. He'll have some thoughts on that game. Uh, we're going to talk to him in the sh- during the show. We're also going to talk some blues hockey with our buddy Jeremy Rutherford of the Athletic. Matthew Rocchio is here, and he'll lead us through. Uh, all of the stuff today. We've got sick of it coming up. We've got take it or leave it. We do want your mic drops, by the way, on uh, the state of the Cardinals, especially after last night. Uh, use the 101 ESPN app and send us a mic drop and we'll hear from you loud and clear, I'm assuming, in the 8 o'clock and 9 o'clock hours. All right. Last night, ballpark, bottom of the first inning. Nolan Gorman. Thank you. Now another lefty, Nolan Gorman. Who's batting 267 on the year? Six home runs for him. Unload, high in the air, deep right center field, at the track, at the wall. He ambushed him. One nothing Cardinals lead. All right, Nolan Gorman. We're rolling against Shohei Otani, and it's not going to be a problem at all. Oh, well, maybe. Uh, Miles Michaelis allows a run in the second. He allows two in the third. But the Cardinals bounce back, bottom of the fourth inning, with their left handed hitting slugger. Towards center. Trout retreating to the warning track. Still going at the wall. It carries out. A home run for Carlson. And just like that, the Cardinals are back in front. There's why you didn't sign Cody Bellinger. <laughs> oh my God. You were waiting for waiting. that one. Waiting for that one, huh? Yeah, so the Cardinals have the lead. And that's only in the fourth inning. The Cardinals have the lead in the fifth, and in the sixth, and in the seventh, and in the eighth. Then we get to the ninth. Ryan Helsley had been brought on in the seventh inning. He finished the seventh and the eighth with a total of 10 pitches. The Cardinal skipper, Ali Marmol, instructions are, apparently, or his idea is, to bring in Giovanni Gallegos, who has been great to this point. Jake Lamb is the pinch hitter for the Angels. And we get to a 2-2 pitch, and boom, Jake Lamb hits a game-tying home run. Next up. Guy, I don't know if you've ever heard of this one. He's uh, He's got a chance to be pretty good, I hear. <laughs> Prospect for the, the Angels. <laughs> and uh, he steps in against one Giovanni Gallegos. I wouldn't think about throwing one to Trout for a strike. Throw it under the zone if you're going to throw it. Uh-oh. <laughs> Trout puts the Angels in front. Oh, was it over? No. <laughs> Five four. Uh, another guy that uh, apparently has a chance to be pretty good. Shohei Otani uh, doubled. He was singled home by Anthony Rendon. Six four was the final, and 
there were a lot of booze. I was at the ballpark last night, kids. It was loud. As a matter of fact, I don't think that at this ballpark I have heard louder booze. I think I heard louder booze back at the old bush when the football Cardinals played there. But I don't think I've ever heard booze this loud at this ballpark. Oh, you could even just tell, like listening on TV, especially after that, that lamb homer. Just hearing the roar of just booze. And you can even like kind of almost hear what people were saying, too. And a lot of people were saying that you could just feel like the anger from fans. And it just felt like after that moment happened, even though it just tied the game, it was like fans were like, all right, great. We know what's going to happen. Exactly. That's what it felt like. Right. That's and that's the frustration. Now, I was a coin flip on bringing Gallegos in. I understand Ali Marmol's thought process. Myself, I would have kept Helsley into the game, but I can completely respect bringing Gio Gallegos into the game because Gallegos had been his best reliever. Uh, Gio's done a really nice job. He's actually been uh, our top reliever. If you look at his body of work in April compared to anybody in that bullpen, including Helsley, um, righty-lefty, there hasn't been a guy punching out righties and lefties and keeping their OPS down better than Gio. So... Um, you trust them there in the ninth. Now, I want I want to get you guys' take. Let me give you mine. I texted you guys that bringing in Helsley in the seventh was a desperation move. But when you get that level of efficiency from Ryan Helsley and you have a day game after a night game today, I would like to preserve Gallegos to be my closer today and close things out with hopefully Ryan Helsley being able to get through one more inning throwing... 20 pitches, throwing 30 pitches on the day. That would have been my approach. Again, I, I respect the approach of whoever makes that decision for the Cardinals, whether it's Marmol or the front office. I'm assuming that that is, in those situations, a 2 o'clock meeting decision rather than an Ali Marmol decision. Well, I think we're under the assumption that Ryan Helsley is the closer. I mean, if you look at the the nine games that, that they play, Ryan Helsley and Gallegos. Gallegos has pitched in nine games. He only had given up four hits and one earned run. His entire the entire season, Helsley has pitched in nine games, have given up nine hits and, and three earned runs. Not that drastic of a difference, but Gallegos obviously was the better pitcher and had been performing better. And we don't even put Jordan Hicks in that conversation as closer because he's just now getting into the high leverage moments again. I didn't have an issue with it at all. If you made the decision that okay, Gallegos has been performing much better at this point through nine games better than than Helsley has in higher leverage moments. If he's our closer, I don't give a damn about the red lights coming on in the seventh inning. That's something that the, the, the PR team did. It's about who the Cardinals feel is the closer. And if Gallegos is that guy now, he just had a bad inning. It was not a good inning, but... The, the track record through nine games between those two players, Gallegos has been better than, than Helsley has. Well, yeah, Giovanni Gallegos only gave up one earned run in the month of April. So, yeah, you can also say hindsight is twenty twenty, right? You could say afterwards, like, why would you bring in Giovanni Gallegos in that situation? Even though Gallegos is saddled with the loss last night, I don't even look that this was a him issue whatsoever because there's there's a many different ways to look at it even with Helsley I was a little shocked that they brought him in so early in the seventh because it's kind of like what you said Randy it my first thought was wow this feels like a very almost desperate move and just kind of looking at how people felt on Twitter it's like people were waiting for something to come. Mm-hmm. They knew about what was going to happen, not because you don't doubt the talent of these guys, but it's just very Cardinals as so far this season that you knew that it wasn't going to go in the right direction. And I think we need to keep one thing in mind here, Cardinal Nation does today. 
it was Mike Trout that hit the home run to put them and, ahead. And they were beat and they were playing against Shohei Otani. Yeah. If you yep. have any anything to take yeah. uh, uh, to get excited about, they actually the the now he struck 13 of them out, but they did hit against Shohei Otani. They did get a lead versus Shohei Otani, and it's just an unfortunate mistake to one of the best players in the game mm-hmm. when you throw it over the middle to Mike Trout. Well, and then I was listening to to Chip and he even said, you know, with Ryan Helsley, his stuff looked really good and he was like, you know, do you just keep him out there? I would keep him out there. Mm-hmm. And then as soon as that kind of all unfolded, I mean, that was just 10 pitches for Ryan Helsley. And I was looking up, Helsley typically doesn't go back to back to games. So to your point, Randy, it would be, you know, you don't have Helsley tomorrow, essentially, but you did keep his pitch count low. So possibly you could in that situation. So you're going to look at Hennessy's Cabrera. It's only ten pitches, but it's three innings. It's it's sitting down and getting up. Right. Your face, your face, <laughs> it's, Randy. It's, it's the seventh in the ninth. I'm it's sorry. the seventh, eighth, and ninth inning. Yeah. So. I don't know if that psychologically going out to the mound for a third time, if that plays into that was it as Ollie's well. explanation. So it, yes. it's when you are, I mean, again, we are creatures of habit. If I only generally go out to the mound and, and do two innings, regardless of how many pitches I have, to go out there for a third time, if you send him out for a third time, and I just gave you the numbers that I gave you, that Gallegos is they, it has been the better pitcher this season, we're going to have this same conversation if Helsley gives up those home runs yeah. and, we're, and we lose the game. It's a it's a lose lose situation for the Cardinals for Ali Marmol. They the players have to perform better, and Gallegos in that moment, up until then, he had performed extremely well. Up until then, last night he didn't perform as well, and he had to be better in that moment, and you win that game if he is. It's just tough too because they it was a pretty good game mm-hmm. up until that point. You could you could say a lot. There was a lot of positives in the way that you had Nolan Gorman with a great game. Dylan Carlson, you felt like Dylan Carlson really needed that moment for himself, but also to prove to the team too. And then you even have the situation as well of Nolan Arenado had a multi-hit game last night. So you're like, okay, all right, we're starting to trend in the right direction. Was Miles Michaelis as efficient as you would like him to be? Not exactly, but still, there was a lot of positives leading up to that point. It just really felt like as soon as I saw that in the seventh inning, it's like you felt like something bad's going to happen because luck has not, lady luck, I guess you could say, <laughs> has not exactly been on the Cardinals' side so far. <laughs> the entire Cardinals fan base last night. <laughs> we have a, a lot to unpack here. NBA playoffs last night. Sixers fell to the Celts by 34, 121 87. That series tied at a game piece. Game ones or games one? How, how do you game, game ones? Game ones. Game ones in the NHL. Canes uh, yeah. over the Devils 5 1, and the Oilers fall to the Golden Knights 5 4. And so the Golden Knights lead that series. Coming up. People come to St. Louis, players come to St. Louis because they know they aren't going to get booed. Well, Cardinal Nation has learned a new trick. What's next on 101 ESPN? You're back to the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. I wouldn't think about throwing one to Trout for a strike. Throw it under the zone if you're going to throw it. Uh-oh. Trout... Puts the Angels in front. That made it 5-4, 6-4 was the final last night of the ballpark. Cardinals fall to the Angels, a heartbreaker for the Redbirds. Before we get to texts, and the text line is open, 314-399-9646, 314-399-YOHO. And you can also leave us a mic drop with the 101 ESPN app. 
guys, one of the so several textures this morning have complained about Gallegos being left in too long. And I, I have a couple of points here. Number one, I would ask who would be the next pitcher. But the other part of this is that unraveled in a hurry. Lamb yeah. hit the yes. home run on the fifth pitch. He got Rangifo on the second pitch. Trout hit the home run on the third pitch. Otani hit the four, first pitch. And Rendon hit the fourth with the pitch clock. Okay, so you're, what you're talking about is having your best reliever from April get up, get into a game, and anticipating that he's going to blow it. Now, you can do that. You can start the inning with somebody warming up. But all of this unraveled in the space of 15 pitches with the pitch clock. I don't know if he had a time once Lamb hit the home run. It, it was three, four, five, six. It was nine pitches. I don't know if you had enough time to get a reliever ready during the course of that time. To have somebody ready to come in after Otani hits the first pitch double, uh, do you, I don't think you have time to get somebody ready to face Rendon. That's yeah. one thing that Adam talked to us about a couple of weeks ago is the, the amount of time when you have a, a reliever in and if it starts spiraling out of control, it is hard with that pitch clock to really get somebody up and warmed up and ready to go because there's not just not enough time to get enough pitches in to get them ready to get in the game. No, I, I there's nothing you can do in that situation. But one thing that I didn't understand with Giovanni Gallegos is the slider. Why the slider, you think? This team, and we haven't talked about this a lot, guys, they really miss Yachty. I think we are all, as this all unravels, we are really underestimating the value of Yadier Molina and his ability to guide a pitching staff. And last night was a perfect example. Helsley's game, where he threw, I think it was seven straight sliders in Seattle. Yadi was, number one, a workaholic who knew the opposition and knew what the weaknesses of the opposing team were. But Yadi also has a gift. He's, he's a baseball savant. Yes. And... Not everybody has that, and I think the Cardinals are missing that desperately. I certainly, at the beginning of the season, underestimated that, and I think right now as we look at it on May 4th, it's a huge deal. Well, and also it's kind of having that Midas touch right now, and that's what it feels like is kind of missing is that touch and the feel of what is needed in certain situations. Even you could point to a lot of different things when it comes to pitching, some of the pitches that are called. Even on the hitting side, some of the situational hitting, which I will say last night it did look like they were hitting with a little bit more intent, and even Ali Marmal said that in his post-game comments, but it almost feels like having that kind of golden Midas touch is missing with this ball club of wanting to knowing the right thing to do or touch or feel in certain situations with guys. Now the boos after the home runs last night were the loudest we've heard at this ballpark. And Ali Marmal was naturally asked about the boos in his press conference. No, I can tell you right now they're not. That clubhouse is extremely frustrated. Understand something. This is year 17 with the Cardinals. I've had the privilege of doing this for 17 years for one organization. And whether you're in the minor leagues as a coach in the lowest level, if you're a coach at the big league level or you're managing in my seat, you wake up every single day with one thing in mind. It's how to improve the organization. So to sit here and think that other people are more frustrated than the people in this clubhouse is insane. Absolutely insane. I can tell you that. Every coach that's in that clubhouse wakes up and loses sleep over how to improve what's going on at the moment. And that's the only thing that crosses your mind every minute of the day. That's why this organization has been good for a long time. It's because everyone wakes up with the same thing in mind. So to think that when you say that the fan base is, yeah, we want to deliver for this city. That's what you wake up for every day. And trust me, we don't mind the accountability. That's also why we wake up every day. 
because it drives us knowing that if we do well, things go well. And if you don't, people are pissed. That drives me. It drives everybody in that clubhouse. So if you think other people are more frustrated than within these walls, you're crazy. Well, then I would like to see the video of who was booing in the dugout. <laughs> they're not going to boo each other, Randy. Well, if they're more frustrated than we are. Like, boo this man! Boo! Oh, wait. That's my teammate. <laughs> you buy a ticket, you have the right to boo, and last night was... Ex- I, I'm... I'm not I, a booer, but I'm not a cheer either. I don't yell when things go well. So I, I'm not a vocal fan. But if you buy a ticket, you have the right to boo. Randy, I, I as a player, I will never disparage a, a fan. If we're performing as loudly as they cheer when we're performing well, if we stink, they have the right to boo. They paid their money. They, they came to be entertained, and we're not performing well. The Cardinals had a pretty good game up until that ninth inning. Mm-hmm. Everything, you, you're facing off against... The, the 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 face of baseball in Shohei Otani, you perform well. He strikes you out. You get some home runs. You hit the ball. You get a couple of doubles. You get the lead, and then you you're you're cruising, and then it just kind of falls off the rails. And that's essentially what this Cardinal season has been all year. It's not been. It's like one bad thing after another, and it's become it's starting to become expected. I don't have an issue with the fans booing if if I'm, if I'm a player, but I do agree that. The players in that clubhouse and the managers and the coaches, they do care. They are trying. It's just not working out for them. And sometimes it, it sometimes that's how it goes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Just life. Well, and he even said, you know, he sees the preparation behind the scenes and he's saying, I'm seeing this. And but the thing is, is it's not resulting to a win on the field. So then, of course, you're going to have angry fans. You're going to have people questioning. Miles Michaelis also was asked about that last night, and he said that he understood why the fans were frustrated. He also said, he went out of his way to say, that he would have also thrown Giovanni Gallegos out there in that situation. Giovanni has been nails leading up to that point. You could, and of course, in hindsight, if you know the result of what's going to happen, you could say, why not keep Ryan Helsley in that game? Ten pitches, you know his stuff is good. And you even brought up Wayno earlier about what he was saying about you can see that guy behind you in the bullpen getting ready. And mm-hmm. in your mind, you're like, wait, my stuff is good. Give me a chance here. And then you go to a different guy. But it just felt like as soon as that happened in the seventh inning, the fans were, I and Randy, if you were still there at that time, did it already feel like when Helsley came out that the fans were kind of expecting something bad to happen? When Gallegos came out? I think when Helsley came out to replace Hicks, I, I anticipated that he was going to be fine there. I didn't anticipate that him coming out for the second inning would yeah. lead to success. But I, I, and it didn't matter who came out in the in the ninth. I had a bad feeling because we were going to see Trout. How many seven out, I guess, saves situations has has Ryan Helsley had? Because that's many. what it would that's what it would have been. He would have had to go seven outs right. to to win that game. That is not something that is normal for for most pitchers. You don't trot them out there for three innings in a row to get seven. You just (laughs) don't. So, and, and again, Gallegos had been pitching the best out of the three. The one thing that I did love, I love seeing the Cardinals get hits. I love seeing Contreras get a double, Arenado hitting the ball, uh, Dylan Carlson getting his first home run in 50-plus games. And and I love what Jordan Hicks did when he got in the game. And I love what they did in the in the clubhouse, in the uh, dugout, after his inning ended. they Someone, I don't remember who it was, it might have been Ali, it might have been Michaelis, went over, hugged him. He had a huge smile on his face because those guys are working their butt off to be 
be successful. And Jordan Hicks had struggled, and so he got his. He's starting to get his things right. It just was an unfortunate uh, turn of events when when Gallegos got in there and gave it up in the ninth. But you know what fans don't want to hear is that it's unfortunate, especially when you've had all this leading up to it. it, it you should well uh, guess what, Brooke? They should probably expect it at this point. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> This text from the 314, this is the show-me state. The Cardinals need to show they care. Bench a player for a terrible strikeout or a bad fielding error. I don't need, think they need to go there. But I do think that the Cardinals, throughout their system, and Ollie talks a lot about their system, they're so process-oriented mm-hmm. that production doesn't necessarily play. It's, okay, if you hit the ball hard, then you're a good player, but it doesn't matter what the, the end result is in terms of winning or losing a baseball game. They're so hung up on exit velocity and and barreling the ball and spin rate yeah. that it's it's more about process than it is about production. Coach Venturi always told us, Kerry, production plays. Yes. Doesn't matter what sport, doesn't matter where you're playing, production plays. And I don't think that that is the end-all, be-all for the Cardinals. I think process is a bigger part of what they do than production. And, and I think that that's – they need – for Albert Pujols, it was all about production, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, for Tony Russo, it was all about production. When you w- with Adam Wainwright, it, it's about production. He doesn't care about his spin rate. He doesn't care about his velocity. He just cares about winning the game. And I think that sometimes when you're brought through a system and winning and losing and the end result up individually isn't focused upon as much as what you do peripherally, I think that can cause problems in terms of your level of competitiveness for a ball club. I have a quote for you guys that I came across last night, and it's a business quote, but I I thought it was kind of interesting because it pertains to sports as well. Talent and those who know how to cultivate it will ultimately win. Yes, 100%. Uh, Every year, and and I know this sounds old school, but in 1982... The Cardinals brought up a rookie by the name of Willie McGee. In 1983, they brought up a rookie by the name of Danny Cox. In 1984, they brought up a rookie by the name of Terry Pendleton. In 1985, they brought up a couple of rookies, one by the name of Vince Coleman, one by the name of Todd Worrell. 1987, they brought up Joe McGrain. They, they brought up a good rookie that was helpful to pennant-winning teams every single year. They developed that talent. There was mm-hmm. no question about it. Under Tony Larusa, it was a different game altogether. They traded all their kids for established veterans, but they won, and the established veterans understood that they were going to be pushed hard. We just got a, a glimpse when we would ask Tony, hey, how you doing today, Tony? And he'd say, ask me at 1030. Mm. They got pushed hard to win. Now, it was all about winning or losing. There was nothing peripheral about Tony Larusa. There was one goal and one goal only. And then when you get to the post-Tony era, that's when they became much more process-oriented, and it doesn't seem like the development of uh, the, the development of players has been fine, but the de- development of competitors, I think, has been left lacking. Yeah, well, and that's what I was going to ask you too. With that, with that comment that Ali Marmal said, a lot of people, and we had people texting in about that as well, where they didn't know how to process what he was saying. They took it in kind of like a negative way that he was coming after fans in some sense. Was that almost like your Tony Larusa? What is he flipped the table, right? Was mm-hmm. that almost kind of like where you saw a little bit more passion coming out from Ali Marmol? I mean, I think that that is at least a good thing where you see him be so angry about the situation. He's saying we are angry. Yeah, 
it's just that Tony was angry every day. So <laughs> My kind of guy. Yeah. So I, I think it's hard to change your stripes, and all of a sudden you're, you're low-key and easy going, and then all of a sudden you become, yeah, we're pissed. Well, you know what? You're you're 10 and 21. You should be. And maybe that should have happened at 10 and 15 or whatever, 9 and 15. I don't It's just It's really frustrating. Greg Amsinger is frustrated. He is from MLB Network, and boy, does he have some material for you next on 101 ESPN. The smartest way to do your homework. Warm weather means homework for homeowners. And if your homework means a new deck, then turn to the deck experts at Hackman Lumber. Browse the largest inventory of decking materials and deck accessories in Missouri at Hackman Lumber Company. Talk with their experts about treated lumber, cedar, timber tech, Trex, Envision, Azek, and decorators to find the best deck for you. Check out endless choices of railings, balusters, and LED deck lighting options. Hackman Lumber Company will not be undersold on in-stock decking materials guaranteed. You can choose to do it yourself with Hackman's expert advice, or they can recommend reputable contractors to do the work for you. Stop by and see Hackman's expanded paint department, too, with brushes, rollers, painter's tape, and four different lines of interior and exterior paint. Custom color match available. Visit Hackman Lumber's newly remodeled stores in St. Peter's and Pacific, or their showroom in Troy, Missouri. Hackman Lumber. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. You're back to the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. Brooke Grimsley, Jerry Davis, Randy Carricker, and our great friend of the one, the only Greg Amzinger, MLB Network, native of St. Louis, a product of the Lindenwood University and the lead anchor for MLB Network. Of course, you can see him every night on MLB Tonight. And uh, I'm sure Greg is smiling this morning as he joins us. Greg, good morning. How are you doing? Uh, I, I'm great. Uh, I'm also a mental health counselor for St. <laughs> Louis baseball fans. Thank you. And uh, because you. of that, I, I, I've shredded my vocal cords talking to all of my St. Louis friends who want to jump off the George Washington right now because they're so upset over what's happening. I was sitting on the MLB Tonight set last night, and I'm watching all the games while I'm live on the air. And I'm thinking to myself, wow, I can't wait to wake up and be on the show tomorrow morning in St. Louis. The Cardinals are fresh off a win over uh, Otani. That's awesome. There's going to be some optimism. And then all of a sudden, Gallegos gives it up. Jake Lamb, and then a home run to Mike Trout, and I'm starting to sweat thinking about this interview while I'm live on the air on MLB tonight. <laughs> <laughs> I, I get it. So the, we're ten and twenty-one here, not we anymore. They, if they were twenty-one and ten, it'd be we, Greg. They are ten and twenty-one. Is <laughs> uh, Obviously, no no team is a three thirty three team or, or less. But what are the Cardinals this year? That is so deep what you just did. Can I stop for a second and go back 
that is exactly what's going on right now. What you just did. They are 10 and 21. We would be 21 and 10. <laughs> Cardinal, fan, Cardinal fans, unfortunately, in the year 2023, were giving a healthy cup of reality. And now we have to see how committed are you when, when you have 30-year-olds who don't remember a losing – remember, they don't know of a losing season in their lifetime in St. Louis. Are you we? Are, are you, well, they? You have to be committed. And that, to me, is the problem with the Cardinals right now. They're not committing to anybody. It's like a, a, an ongoing AAU basketball tryout. All we kept hearing about, all we kept hearing about was this great Cardinal outfield. So many players, so much depth. Who do we pick? Who's your favorite? Who's not going to be in the lineup? The Cardinals are getting no production out of their outfield. It's one of the worst offensive outfields in baseball right now because no one in the front office committed to someone. There are only three guys that you know are going to play every day. I mean, really, Tommy Edmonds going to bounce around. Is he really the shortstop, or is he going to be playing other places? Is Brendan Donovan really the second baseman, or are we going to see Nolan Gorman there? Is Nolan Gorman really the full-time DH, even though he's been the best hitter so far this year other than Goldschmidt, or is it going to be someone else? It's it's Arenado, it's Goldschmidt, and it's Contreras, and then everyone else, it's an AAU tryout, and that's ridiculous. <laughs> that is not Cardinal baseball, and they got to commit to people just like – the fans of St. Louis need to say we are 10 and 21. Wear it for a change. And now you get a taste of what every other fan deal with. Well, Greg, I think you heard all the booze. So I don't know if anybody is really wanting to wear that here in St. <laughs> Louis. But you brought up something in particular there where you're talking about guys not really exactly knowing their position. It seems like this team is in an identity crisis right now. Is that what you're feeling, too? Yeah, I mean, look, it's not breaking news that their starting pitching does not have the depth to to win a pennant and go deep into the playoffs. We knew that going in. But no one expected this team to not hit. I mean, everyone thought the Cardinals would be winning games. At least the Cardinals would be 500, averaging 5.8 runs per game. That was literally the reality going into opening day. That's what everybody that follows the game thought about this team. But the fact that they can't score runs is alarming. To me, it's a lack of confidence. It's it's looking over your shoulder. Look, this, this format of platooning, game planning, who's a better fit based on the starting pitcher that you're facing the next day has worked. There are teams that have really had a lot of success doing it. The Tampa Bay Rays, the old Tampa Bay Rays come to mind. Now they're actually committed to their position players and they're the best team in baseball. But the only way it works is if everyone buys in. I had a fascinating conversation with Blake Snell, fresh off when he got pulled out of game six and he was dominating the Dodgers. And I asked him, I go, when did you know that you were going to get dealt? He goes, that was that, that moment. That was the moment when, when Kevin Cash came to get the ball from me. And I, I, I was done buying in. I was dominating the Dodgers. No one could hit me. And because it was the third time through the lineup, they had to take the ball from me in game six of the World Series. At that moment, I no longer bought in. They knew I didn't buy into the, to the, the ideal, their, ba- their baseball philosophy, and they had to move them. Everybody on a, on a program like that has to believe in what they're doing. And right now, it looks like a team that doesn't believe in what the front office is doing. And that's got to change immediately. It's got to change. Greg, you talked about the outfield and the lack of continuity. One player that was performing really well at the start of the season is no longer on the roster. He's in Memphis. What did you think about uh, Jordan Walker being sent down? 
it's fishy. I mean, that's the best way to describe it. Um, you know, there are so many exciting aspects to this upcoming season, one of them being the beginning of an amazing career for a future face of the organization, Jordan Walker. Um, you know, I every front office, every organization has the right to operate the way they want to operate. They want this kid to hit the ball in the air. That's what they want him to do. I really can't stand that. I, I, I'm friends with a lot of Hall of Fame baseball players. I don't mean to name drop, but I kind of sound like Randy character right now. But I, <laughs> I, I, two, I, I, two names, two names, two friends, two Hall of Fame friends right now. <laughs> <laughs> you told me Pedro Martinez, John Smoltz. Yeah, I can go on. Right? <laughs> anyway, anyway, I was talking to Jim Tomey, and Jim Tomey's like, hey, look, I hit over 600 home runs. I hit over 600 home runs. And I hit the ball a line drive every single time. And Jim was upset about this. He's like, why are they taking one of the skill sets this kid has away? And that is his legs. He is a premier athlete. He was hitting over 270. Anybody that knows the game and great hitters I've talked to are fascinated by how comfortable this kid looks to play. To me, either one of two things. Either he wasn't on board with what they wanted him to do when they told him you're going to make the team. Hey, you're going to make the team. We want you to hit the ball in the air, though. Are you committed to that? Yeah, I just want to make the team. All right, you got it, Jordan. You made the team. Either there was some sort of agreement in terms of his approach that he has bailed on. That's one thing. The other thing is maybe they were talking turkey. Maybe, maybe there was a deal in place, and they thought they were close to getting a contract extension to, to lock this kid up. And on the 11th hour, it fell apart. And they're like, you know what? We got a lot of outfield depth. Guys that have fewer options than this kid has, we're going to send him down and we'll let Lars Newbar have a chance to be an everyday guy. So other than that, none of it makes sense to me. It just doesn't make sense to send this young man down when everyone in St. Louis was excited to see him become the next Albert Pools of the organization. If it is that he was sent down to, to save the Cardinal service time, how, how will that work for them and for him in the future? That's a great question. I, I, fracturing a relationship is a, a scary thing. And there, you know, I don't want this to turn out to be Chris Bryant. Uh, when Chris Bryant was messed with, and he was the best player in spring training uh, as a rookie, and the Cubs decided to control his service time, and they kept him down for opening day. He you know, filed a grievance through the union, and, and, and they had no chance of signing him long-term. They had no chance. I'm hoping that isn't the case here. Uh, what makes me feel better is uh, a situation like Brian Reynolds of the Pittsburgh Pirates. Before opening day, he said, I want to, I want to be traded. I don't want to stay here. This is not a winning environment. You're not committed to me. I wanted a contract extension years ago. You didn't want to talk about it. It's too late now. Please trade me. And they still were able to get a deal done uh, this year. So uh, I really hope the Cardinals understand that of all the players that they have, this is a unicorn. This is a unique talent that at the age of 20 has already proven that he is not overmatched. So let's dream on that. What is he going to look like when he's 24, when he's 27? When he's 30, let's commit to the future now. Make sure this kid's happy and not treat him like everyone else. This isn't Dylan Carlson. This isn't Lars Newbar. This isn't Tyler O'Neill. Jordan Walker is your future. And if you want it to be a bright one, make this kid happy. Greg Amzinger, a couple more quick things. Number one, Terry Francona has his Cleveland Guardians, before that the Indians, in the hunt every year, despite having lesser talent. Uh, we see Bruce Bochy move to Texas. Granted, they did add talent, but Texas is in first place. We see Dusty Baker win a World Series. We see Brian Snitker do what he's doing. You know Buck Showalter very well. 
is are these player these managers that are allowed to actually actually manage the game now they aren't being handed lineups by their front office is it a coincidence that they're winning or do they just have good talent or is there something to a guy being able to actually manage the team that's a great great point there are two styles of baseball right now that are being played at the same time the established star players want the Bochi, the Buck Showalter, the Dusty Baker. If you have a roster with established big league stars all up and down the lineup, you need to go get a reputable manager. If you've got a front office agenda and a style and a philosophy that is driving the success of your team, then you need an extension of your front office who's executing the game plan with no pushback. Who am I talking about? Talking about Craig Council in Milwaukee, Eric Shelton in Pittsburgh, and more notably, Kevin Cash in Tampa Bay. That is the gold standard. They are the best team in baseball. No one is an extension of the front office more than Kevin Cash. And what you're seeing are two different styles of play. Your, your roster is not littered with established stars making $40 million a year like Scherzer and Verlander. And you have a team like the Rays, the Pirates, the Brewers, then you need those types of guys. So it lends, uh, it lends itself to this question. What are the Cardinals? What are the Cardinals? Are the Cardinals the team that's not littered with multi-million dollar stars and an agenda and in a philosophy is what reigns supreme? Or is it a, a, a team littered with players making $30 million a year? Well, they got two, right? Uh, the Cardinals are kind of in between in their roster makeup. So who leads this roster is a confusing thing, and it's a tough question to answer. So that's why I feel the Cardinals are sort of – you hear hitters say this all the time. I'm in between. Mm-hmm. I'm not getting my foot down in time, so I'm too late on a fastball, and I'm way out in front on a breaking ball, and they're struggling. That's what the Cardinals are right now in their front office slash dugout agenda and leadership, and it's not meshing with the roster at the moment, and they have to decide who are we. Are we going to be the analytically driven team or the old school take care of our superstars team? That's a tough question to answer. Last thing for Greg Amzinger, MLB Network. You'll see him tonight. Will we see you? will see you after the games tonight on MLB Network. MLB tonight. Uh, Greg, the second and third worst records in baseball reside here in Missouri. I think it's safe to assume that for that Memorial Day one fifteen St. Louis time game, that MLB Network will not flex the Cardinals and Royals in for a national broadcast. <laughs> <laughs> Never know. I mean, you know, <laughs> anything can happen. Um, there might be rainouts, you know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like 15? <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know, you can dream, right? You can dream. Hey, listen, listen, I do not think this is a doormat team. Yeah, I truly do not believe that. And, and if there was a team, I've seen this happen before, when the Atlanta Braves, the year they won the World Series, they're like, wow, we have the worst off field in baseball with Ronald Acuna Jr. out for the year. So what do they do? Instead of leaning on Ender Inciarte for the entire season, they acquired Jock Peterson. They acquired Eddie Rosario. They acquired Adam Duvall. They went out and got four outfielders, and they won the World Series. I truly believe the Cardinals will take of their position player depth and they will get two starting pitchers. And I'm not joking. I'm going to throw a couple out before I go. I know I'm out of time. 
So would you be shocked to see Lance Lynn and Lucas Giolito acquired by the Cardinals and they're both plucked into the starting rotation? I wouldn't be shocked to see Shane Bieber and uh, Zach Plesak acquired by the St. Louis Cardinals and plucked immediately into that rotation. A couple of guys that are struggling, uh, maybe guys that are rentals like Lucas Giolito, but I truly believe the Cardinals will go out and get two starting pitchers, and I'm not saying the Cardinals season is over yet. I won't do it. This could be the 2019 Washington Nationals. They were 19-32. and 32. Everybody wanted Dave Martinez fired, and they won the World Series. This stuff has turned around before. I still believe, I still believe we will turn this around. We, not they, <laughs> St. Louis. We. Greg, who is Dave Martinez, a managerial protege of? Uh, Joe Madden. Okay, good. He's available. Uh, <laughs> come on, come on, man! No, no, no! I got listen. I got to run. I got to talk to Ali Marble on the phone. I, I, yeah, I got to make him feel better. Okay, my vocal cords are shredded, but I got time for Ali. I still believe in Ali Marble. Okay, I still believe in him. You're the best. Thanks, Greg. Love you. See you later. <laughs> Take care, guys. See you. Take care. That is Greg Amzinger, MLB Network. <laughs> Just had to throw Just it had out to put that out there. Just huh? Had to throw that out there. Yeah. It'll never happen, but just put it out there anyway. I don't want to get anybody's hopes up because here's the thing: Bill Dewitt is Bill Dewitt started all this by bringing Jeff Luno to St. Louis in 2003. The analytical movement was mm-hmm. started by William Dewitt Jr., the Cardinals chairman. He is not changing this philosophy. This philosophy of having the front office put place a certain value on a player, set the lineup, set the value of players. That is not going away as long as he is in charge. So don't even dream. Don't even bother to dream uh, about this organization getting back to what it was under Tony La Russa, where the manager managed, because it's just not going to happen. Yeah, I did think it was really interesting what he brought up with that story with Blake Snell, too, where you can also tell when players don't buy in anymore. Mm -hmm. And right now, it's just whatever is going on this roster, we know it's really talented. Greg even said that. We know how talented this group is. For whatever reason, the buy-in is just not there at this moment. That is Brooke. That is Carrie. I'm Randy. Coming up, get your text into the Air Comfort Service text line 314-399-9646. 314-399-YOHO. Take it or leave it. Coming your way on 101 ESPN. You're back to the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. It's time for Take It or Leave It. Want to say something? Want to put it out there? If you can take it, if you don't, set it right back. Get your text into 314-399-9646 and give us your take it or leave it. Brought to you by Gloria Lou Realty. Visit GloriaHasTheBuyers.com and start packing. That's my final author. Take it or leave it. Carrie, Randy, and Matthew. Okay, guys, I got a simple one for you. All you have to do is make a prediction. It has been more, almost 120 years since the Cardinals last finished with the worst record in the National League. Take it or leave it. They do this year. Leave it. I'm gonna leave it. Um. Yeah, I. You know, I. I, I don't see that happening. Right now, they are uh, dead last. <laughs> dead. Last. Okay. Ten and twenty-one. Uh, Colorado is eleven and twenty. Cincinnati still play baseball. Yes, they no, do. And uh, the Red Lakes. Colorado. Colorado. Colorado's still. They still. They still. Washington the Nationals League. are still out there. Yeah. 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 They, they, they won't finish dead last. That ain't okay. In the division. I mean, in the thing. in the mm-hmm. league. 
What a turn of events this has been for Randy, going from full (laughs) sunshine and lollipops to chaos, burning things down. Lollipops and rainbows. Welcome, Randy. We'll put a tail on you. We're together. Does not have a great feel? No, no, it does not. This, this is the the Texas chain, Chainsaw uh, version oh, yeah. of yeah, Sunshine. Yeah. Or something yeah. bad's coming. Yeah, right. Yes. <laughs> so uh, Jordan Walker is three for nineteen in Memphis, batting one fifty eight. Take it or leave it. They should have left his swing alone. I will take that, okay. Kerry. Yeah, I'll say I'm going to take that. He had more hits here. Didn't time. He? he was doing pretty well. Yeah. Yeah. But you know how they're going to see it, how they slice and dice it. Is you say they say, look, see, he wasn't fully ready, but you should have just committed with him since the beginning. If you put him on the opening day roster and you say that you're going to stick with him, you should stick with him. Yeah, I agree. And even Greg said that was a little bit fishy. So hey, here's the thing, you, that's one guy you did see all of spring training. You you had a month of at bats, right? Yes. So, <laughs> why couldn't you? And you, you saw him ooh, all year. Ooh, yes. Oh, yes. Ooh, Gary. Ooh, ooh, ooh. And he was hitting when he was here. Yeah, okay. Yes. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe I don't know. I could, I could probably do some baseball front mm-hmm. officing. Yeah. I think let's let's we all should. We, we aren't. We aren't happy. So buy a let's team? Just, yeah, let's change his mechanics. You want to buy a team? Uh, yeah. Let's do it. Let's do it. I'm ready. Take it or leave it. This feels almost Matheny-esque, a la pre before he was fired. Of when the fundamentals were completely off. Brooke, I'm going to take that. I do think that that I I get that vibe, and it's not a great vibe. You're not vibing right now. No, but I don't think they'll change this time. I th- I think that I don't think everybody was completely on board with making that change. I think the change with Mike Matheny to Mike Schilt was as much rooted in business as mm-hmm. it was in baseball, and I don't think they'll do that after a year plus. I do. Uh, and I don't blame Ollie completely because, like I said, I don't think that he's really managing the team himself. I got a question for both of you all. There, we know that there's not one thing that will fix the Cardinals, but I'm only going to give both of you one thing to fix the Cardinals. Go. One thing to Just fix one. the Cardinals? Yep. Um, I'm going to have to go with I just think it's too early to fire somebody. So we're saying, like, right yeah, now, to, one thing, like, to at this moment. To winning games. This year. A roster shakeup to start this week. Okay. I want to see Juan Yepes come up here. Okay. I would. I think that you should also have Walker here. So I, if you brought both of those up here, um, Steven Matz needs to get moved to the bullpen. And I get that he signed a big contract, but sometimes you just have to take your losses with that. Um I would also possibly bring up Libby because you're going to have probably Wayno. She gave me four. It's okay. Oh, okay, sorry. I, I <laughs> kept going. I'm sorry. Up, yes, I think, I think a I think roster shakeup okay. right now, and if that still doesn't do anything, then you're going to go have to get some more starting pitching at the trade deadline. I liked what Greg said about Shane Bieber. And then if things still aren't working after that, then there is going to be coaching changes. I am a big believer in improving if you can if there is a better producer if there's a better host for the morning show on 101 espn then tommy mattern and john kioski should go get them and Mm -hmm. find another spot for me joe madden has won world series he's been one of the best managers in baseball and he's available right now yes i know he's 68 years old but the one move that they could make right now a guy that can make an immediate impact like Whitey Herzog did in 1980 when he took over at midseason would be to bring in Joe Madden. And this is not a reflection at all on uh, a guy like uh, like Ali Marmol. It's more a reflection on Joe Madden and what he's done in the past. So that would be my one move. Okay. 
All right, your texts. Matthew, uh, what do you this got? This is an extremely out-of-pocket take-it-or-leave-it, but I, I laugh, and so <laughs> I have to read it. Take-it-or-leave-it. It. C.B. Buckner is a good judge of character. <laughs> oh, I'm going to leave that. I'm going to leave that, too. Uh, C.B. What is it? C.B. Buckner? Come on. This guy. <laughs> Shake hands. Huh? I feel wow. terrible, but it was a really good take-it-or-leave-it. Yeah, uh, take-it-or-leave-it. Pepperoni should be on every pizza that's made. Leave it. Oh, take it. Every no. single one. You can't put pepperoni pizza oh, pepperoni. on per- pepperoni on a Hawaiian pizza with that delicious Canadian bacon and pineapple. Randy, all can't I'm saying it. is you don't need anything else other than pepperoni. Mm. I love pepperoni pizza, yeah, just, but pepperoni with pineapple and jalapenos, oh. Domino's thin crust style, that is wow. my go-to. Don't know that I've ever had that. Oh, you got to. Hmm. By the way, last night at the ballpark, and they say this because Domino's now has tots for the first time in a long time since pre-pandemic. I had the tots over at the ballpark. Mm-hmm. Mm. Amazing. Oh, yeah. I might go back to the game today just to have more. <laughs> you should have gotten the shack sandwich. You should have gotten the shack sandwich. Right down the yeah. hallway, oh. right down the concourse. No, but I, I could not give up on. Brandy? Yeah. If you Next game you go to. You have to have it. What is it like? Fourteen bucks? Yeah. I. It's worth, it's worth it. It's worth every it. dollar. Is it like fourteen bucks though? Yeah. I'll, I'll buy it. It's only like fifty. Okay. I'll, I'll, I think I might do it then. It's 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 amazing. Mm-hmm. We're going to watch him get swept today. So we'll I'm going to I'm going to go to the Insta. <laughs> right. Insta Rocky. at RJ character. I don't think I put it up. I'm going to I'm going to. Is put that it. not the smart bet? <laughs> you going to cross the river and place that bet before you come back? I should. <laughs> Just saying, is them getting swept not the smart bet? Am I going to get accused of being pessimistic here again? <laughs> Take not it or really. leave it. Thank you. Take it or leave it. Tyler O'Neill is traded before June 1st for a starting pitcher. Leave it. Because trades don't happen before June 1st. And days. is he, is he a, a, a starting pitcher worthy of a trade? I think you may partner. have diminished his trade value a bit. Yeah. It's going to take a lot more than... Bro and then who are you going to put in the outfield? Because clearly, Jordan Walker is still be in Memphis, right? Yeah, but by then he'll have his launch angle fixed. Uh, thank you, Matthew. <laughs> Somebody said take it or leave it. Paul DeYoung plays in the outfield before the end of the year. Yeah, take no. It. No. That would be I, objectively I, I, hilarious. Point, just pick names out of a hat. Madden does that kind of thing all the time. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Coming up next, your mic drops. About the Cardinals on 101 ESPN. You're back to the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. A fresh perspective on the day's top stories. It's the Opening Drive's fresh take. Brought to you by Schnucks Rewards. Reward yourself. Earn 2% back on every purchase with the Schnucks Rewards app. Super Bowl champ, Gary Davis. I'm Randy Carriker. It is 8.05. Your time check brought to you by Clarkson Jewelers, an officially licensed Rolex jeweler. I must make a confession to you kids. What you got? So I am 60, as you know. I've spent 40 years in radio, and I've probably spent 54 of my 60 years with one singular mantra that has woven itself throughout my life. And that mantra has been, well, at least I'm not a Cubs fan. (laughs) And now I know how they feel. No, you don't, Randy. How many years did they go without winning? Yeah, 108. Okay, so you you in you're good. You don't really understand. I, here's the thing: I lived in Champaign, Illinois, mm-hmm. for 
five years. I, I went to the University of Illinois. Mm-hmm. So I was surrounded by many, many Cubs fans. You, and this is prior, obviously, to, to them winning a World Series. You don't know that type of suffrage, right? You, you, you couldn't imagine. You couldn't. Your, your brain could not go to that level of, of pain and angst that they have dealt with. And, and couple that with some Illinois football years, Randy. Those are some people that are have been through the ringer, man. You don't you don't know that. Are you telling me my thirty one games don't hold a candle nah, to their hundred eighty nah, years? Nah, nah, <laughs> Randy. Randy you, I understand you wanted to 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 link yourself with that feeling, but they have a they had a feeling, and I'm sure they're going to have it again because they're, they're they're the Cubs. Yeah, but they've suffered brother trust me okay Okay. (laughs) hey we've got mic drops and we do appreciate you joining us here on 101 espn let's get to damien first that was a good microcosm of the entire season all this potential for something big to happen only to have it I, i guess mismanaged a little bit in the ninth um not sure why you take helsley out if he's really your closer i don't know i'm just I'm flabbergasted. Like, the, the team just can't get out of its own way. Damien, uh, Carrie and I don't completely agree on this because I, and I can go either way. I have no problem with bringing Gallegos in. I personally, if I were managing, I would have left Helsley in. But the bottom line is that Mike Trout's going to hit home runs off of guys. And if it was Ryan Helsley, I still would have felt bad about what was coming up because yeah. you've got Trout and Otani coming up. It's it's not like you're facing the, the Reds. You're facing... Arguably the two best players in the world right now. Yeah, and and if Helsley stays in and he's the one that gives up that home run, we are on the we're having the same conversation. To why would you leave a man for three innings? He never gets seven outs in a game. Mm -hmm. And Gallegos actually has been pitching better down. We would be having the same conversation. Uh, You're playing against one of the best players in the world. Shohei Otani is one of the best players in the world. It happens. They're really good. So I didn't have an issue. And and again, I said this earlier, I don't know for sure, and I don't think anyone in this room knows for sure that Ryan Helsley is your closer. Just because they put, put the red lights on in the stadium when he came in, that doesn't mean he, that he's the closer for that team going forward. We will see. But uh, it, it was it, to me, it was just a tough tough situation for them to lose in that manner last night. And you Back. guys forgot the great Jake Lamb, too. Oh, I mean, yeah. facing yeah. him as well. Yeah. It's oh, tough. Man. Yeah. Man. Uh, back in my day, <laughs> by the way, uh, this is World Series Game 7. Bruce Suter fires two scoreless innings and strikes out a couple, including Gorman's, Gorman Thomas, to end the World Series. Bruce Suter had no trouble going two-plus innings. So come on. Let's just, uh, Cardinals, Ryan, Gio, let's pick it up and... Uh, Let's 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 show, throw some innings. He's the one closer that uh, that or one like relief pitcher, high level relief pitcher who has a history of pitching two or more innings. Oh, they you all did, did. You did multiple times last year with Helsley, yeah. and it worked. Yep. So yeah. I'm not sure why. And we criticized him for it then, but they kept going to it. And so I'm not sure why that's not in in, in the cards last night, especially when he has such an efficient eighth inning. Yep. Bruce Hooter threw only 26 pitches, by the way, in those two innings because. His split finger fastball was awesome. And he's in the Hall of Fame. I guess we should differentiate there, too. Hey, hey, Ron, you're on 101 ESPN. It's time for Mosellock to actually face the fans and DeWitt, too. We're not going to put up with this. I don't care if it's the players underperforming. If a player is underperforming, you get rid of him. Steven Matt should have been DFA'd the first year he was here. 
DFA'd with that four-year, forty-four million dollar contract. <laughs> how do you? How, by, how, how do they face the fans? That's what I want to know. Is it like, like a mob? Is it like, is it like, <laughs> and they throw tomatoes at you? Stand here! <laughs> yeah, no, I was wondering that. Uh, Royal Rumble cage match. Yeah. I don't know. I, I will say yeah. they they did have a press conference. I know that it was about patches, which is not what people wanted, but they did they did answer questions about how things are going. And we even have sound from Gersh even yesterday, before the game yesterday, kind of saying that, yes, this is a disappointment. Gershi? Gershi? Where are you, Gershi? No, he, he doesn't we'll, have it right now. We'll, get, we'll, we'll come back to it. Yeah. yeah, but before that, we will hear from Matt, who joins us with our next mic drop on the opening drive on 101 ESPN. What do you got to lose? We need a fire lit under this team. Let's bring up uh, Memphis Mafia 2.0 and see what happens. Those guys aren't even hitting 200. <laughs> They're not hitting. Oh. It, I, I don't know, Randy. I, I, I played football for a living. I, what do I know? You know, you have big time credibility. I don't know, man. Like, I, I, it's strange to me that Jordan Walker, in his five games, is only batting 158 against Triple A pitching, but he was hitting like 270 against Major League pitching. And you send him down. I, my brain, I, some things don't really resonate well with my brain, and that would be one of them. Brooke, this is what I was talking about earlier. Like last year with Jake Woodford, same thing. Well, we don't like his slider, but he's performing. Well, we don't like his slider. But what do you want? Do you want performance or do you want what he so that he fits into your box of what satisfies you? That is the worst, and I mean absolute worst style of coaching in the world. When you are a coach, a manager, whatever it is, when you force people to fit into the box that you want them to fit in, as opposed to saying, okay, this is what you do really well. We're going to actually go in that direction and use the things you do well and be better because of it. You don't change a person based on how you see the sport. You change yourself based on what you have around you and you allow the athlete to be the best athlete they can be. Well, and also too, you wonder, they, of course, we're not in Jordan Walker's head, but you wonder if sending him down, how that affects him mentally. And what was the message told to him when he's getting sent, sent down where he's like, OK, well, I thought I mean, you guys publicly said that you're going to keep me up here no matter what. I made the opening day roster and that I'm going to stay up here and then I get sent down and you're wanting to see this. How does that affect a player mentally, too? And there's this video all over the Internet where you're saying I made the team because I dealt with adversity. Well, then I face a little adversity. And all of a sudden, I'm not there anymore. It's that, that has to affect players mentally, you'd right? Think, you'd think so. That's Brooke. That's Carrie. I'm Randy. Thanks for your mic drops. And we're going to get to more mic drops throughout the course of the show. But coming up next, we've got the Bird Watch here on 101 ESPN. You're back to the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. We're flying down to the field to give you the latest on your St. Louis Cardinals. This is Bird Watch on the opening drive. We have a fight coming up. Do we have a fighter, Matthew? Do you need a fighter? Uh, we need a fighter. Okay, you can text in to 65780 with the word fight if you'd like to participate in today's fight. We're also going to give away tickets later today. You know what we've got tickets for, guys? 
Cole, uh, Brett, Rhett. Thomas Rhett. Thomas Rhett and Cole yep. Swindale. Yep. We're going to be here yep. sometime soon yep. this summer. Check them out. Yep. Stay tuned for that. Stay we're tuned, gonna, will you? Those way. Right we're now, here. Though, yeah, we got a little, uh, got a little bird watch happening. <whistles> Guys, last night was fun. It was a competitive game. It was. Cardinals did lose it in the ninth, but we got to see a couple of home runs from the Cardinals. You got to see a five home run game. And for the first time since before the pandemic, I had the Bush Stadium Ultimate Ballpark uh, Tater Tot Nachos. Mm. Absolutely delicious uh, with jalapenos and and sour cream and just loaded up. And it comes in a a big box. It's extraordinarily unhealthy. But that doesn't matter to me. I enjoyed my Tater Tot Nachos. There was no way that I was going to have a bad night at the ballpark last night after I took that box to my seats in Section 144. And uh, and my son and I actually shared them. Patrick, by the way, Patrick Carricker, thank you very much for the tickets. He he treated me to the game, very which nice. was cool. So, uh, yeah, we, uh, I was not going to have a good uh, a bad time at the ballpark as long as I had those nachos. They were delicious. Get them today if you're going to the game. But let's see, 12-15 game, what do you think the weather's going to be? It's going to be a glorious day for 68. baseball. I am guessing, just this is just a guess, guess, that tickets are going to be available for this one. Yeah, uh, yes. seventy-one degrees oh. at noon. Ooh. Seventy-one and sunny, no chance of rain. So head on over to the ballpark and enjoy some nachos, if not a win. Uh, hopefully a win. Ten and twenty-two. We need though. a it's win. Not That's not great. Not great. No, it's not. So I'm going to go with the outfield, and I'm talking to Tyler O'Neill, Dylan Carlson. Lars Newbar, if you want to throw Alec Burleson in that mix yeah, as well, you can. In, yeah. I'm looking at these numbers, Randy. Jordan Walker had 20 hits when he left. He's only played in 20, 20 games. Tyler O'Neill has 21 hits. Dylan Carlson has 16. Lars Newbar has 12. Alec Burleson has 18. So they're, they're all under the number of hits that he had. Uh, RBIs. Jordan Walker had 11. None of them have double-digit RBIs yet. I am looking at this outfield with with magnifying glasses to see who is going to perform well because at some point you have to justify to me, the fans, why you would send the all-star, superstar, rookie, soon-to-be face of the franchise, face of the MLB, if he continues to go in the route that we expect him to, why you would choose to send him down and have three guys, three to four guys here that aren't performing nearly at the level that he has with more games than he played in while he was here. It makes no sense. You look at the home runs, Jordan Walker had two. The highest for the outfield right now is Tyler O'Neill with two. They're, they are not playing better than him. Even with more games, their numbers still aren't meeting to the numbers that his were. His, he had the highest OPS of all of the all of the outfielders that were here. You all, and when I say you all, I'm talking to those four outfielders and the front office, have to show and prove why he is in the minor leagues and these three, these four are here still playing in the majors. And it is troubling when a guy gets sent down because you don't like the way his game looks. Mm-hmm. It's ridiculous. His game doesn't look good, but his numbers look amazing in comparison to the guys that are here. And I think to any rational fan, it looked good. But to them, from their perspective, oh, we need to we need to get more lift. We need we need to change the launch angle. You know, Albert Pujols always said, even though he hit 700 home runs, he said, I was never a home run hitter. 
He, he, yeah. He was never, he never considered himself a home run hitter. And most of the great home run hitters in, in the history of the game didn't or don't consider themselves home run hitters. Yeah. Well, and also somebody to that point too texted in earlier that I think this will be good to read now from the 636. The Cardinals fell victim to the old adage, if you have five outfielders, you don't have three. Yep. If you have seven starting pitchers, you don't have five. If you have two closers, you don't have one. There you go. And that's and that's what you're kind of seeing right now with what's going on so far this season. That is not my bird watch, though. My bird watch. There we go. go. There we go. My bird watch is going to be the MVP for me so far this season, Storman Gorman. Nolan Gorman has been really, really good. He had a few days off because he was going through a little mini slump, but he proved why you need him so much in that lineup, why you just need him in general. I mean, he's been fantastic. Last night, went two for four with a solo home run. He's been one of your most consistent guys. He has now seven home runs this season. He is uh, he is everything that we expected that he would be. And by the way, he's six days away from turning 23. He turns 23 on May 10th. So you think about the talent. And by the way, I think Jordan Walker, his birthday is right around the corner, too. Oh, it is in May. Yeah, because we were going to remember do the, the Yeah, Bud his birthday bash. Yeah. Uh, and that's he, another great 22nd. marketing thing. It is. But you're to your point, Brooke, that you have to let some of these guys marinate and just don't mess with them and let them turn into what they're going to turn into. And the Cardinals apparently have done that with Nolan Gorman. Yes. They they have. It's just tough, too, going back to the Walker thing, because the first thing that I remember is, you know, we talked to Mosellock on opening day, and he even mentioned, like, seeing fans during spring training, how excited they were to see Jordan Walker. You were already seeing Jordan Walker jerseys inside Bush Stadium. I mean, the excitement level around him and what his capabilities are going to be for this team. I mean, he's a superstar. Even Ollie Marmol said that. Yeah, he's got superstar talent, and hopefully that doesn't go by the boards. Meanwhile, as the Cardinals sit here at 10 and 21 with the worst <laughs> record in the National League, this is supposed to be the time where, when you're at home and when you're playing. The Angels are a good, not great team. The Tigers are a bad team. If you're ever going to get back to 500, and I have no illusions now of this team being a playoff team, but their goal needs to be to get back to even and go from there. If they're going to do that, they're going to have to do it against the dregs of baseball. And <laughs> the sad thing, scary thing is, is that the Cardinals kind of are the dregs of baseball. Mm-hmm. That's a, we're, we're we're sitting here looking forward to the Cardinals playing the Tigers. Tigers are saying, "Oh man, we need to play the Cardinals, <laughs> right?" And that's a problem. Yeah. Well, and even Shohei Otani. An incredible talent. And I even asked you, Randy, did it feel like a lot of fans were there to see Shohei Otani? Because he is a once-in-a-generation type talent. And he had a career-high 13 strikeouts. It was amazing that the Cardinals were still able to lead the game despite that. Mm -hmm. And then they were struck out 17 times after that, too. So the bullpen combined for four extra strikeouts. There's not many games that you will win, typically, where you're struck out that many times. I know the Cardinals have a clearly delineated budget, but Shohei Otani is a blow-out-the-budget guy. Yes. If it takes you $75 million a year to get Shohei Otani under contract, he's already had his Tommy John. He's one of the best hitters in baseball, and he's one of the best pitchers in baseball. And if it costs you $75 million a year, 40 for pitching and 35 for hitting, or if you want to break it up and give him 45 for pitching and 30 for hitting, whatever it, it takes... 
that's a guy that if you are the St. Louis Cardinals, you blow out the budget. If you're the Yankees, if you're the Angels, if you're the Dodgers, if you're the Cubs, whoever you are with money, you blow out the budget to get Shohei Otani on your roster. A hundred percent. I mean, you it, it's just so unique. And you said, what was it like seeing him, too, last night? You got to see it in person. A, you, you said once in a generation. It's it's once ever. He, nobody's ever done. Babe Ruth didn't do what he's doing. It's once ever. So seeing history was really cool. Hmm. You know, it's because he's superb on the mound and obviously an unbelievable hitter. And for him to be doing it for us, that, that we could see it, is pretty incredible. He became the second player in Major League Baseball history to record 500 career strikeouts. Wow. He's amazing. He's he, he and, uh, and hit at least 100 home runs. Sorry, oh, I forgot five, that part. Joining and, Babe Ruth. That's pretty good company, I guess. I'd say so. Yeah. Yeah. So it was fun. It was, And hopefully he'll be in the lineup hitting for the Angels today so that if you get a chance to get over to the ballpark, you can, you can see history. That's Brooke. That's Kerry. I'm Randy. Coming up, we get the fight. Here on 101 ESPN. You're back to the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. Welcome to the fight. In the red corner, average Joe listener. And in the blue corner, the undisputed king of morning drive. Please welcome Randy Carricker. Welcome back to the opening drive. I'm Kerry Davis, joined by Brooke Grimsley, and it is time for the fight. And our fighter today is Noah. Noah, how are you doing? Doing well, CD. How are you? Doing great. You are the second Noah we've had in a week, I believe. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Yeah, interesting. (laughs) This is my second time going at Randy. Second time? All right, you ready to take him on? As ready as I'll ever be. All right, here we go. Since 1969, only six pitchers have thrown 13 strikeouts versus the Cardinals at Bush Stadium. Bless you. But only one pitcher has ever thrown 14 or more. Which former Cardinals pitcher holds that record? Is it Pete Vukovic, Steve Carlton, or Joaquin Andujar? Uh, Let's go with uh, Carlton. That can't be a bad bet. All right. With his 13th strikeout last night, uh, last night Shohei Otani reached 500 strikeouts and just over 380 innings pitched, making him the second fastest pitcher to that mark in Major League Baseball history. Which current current National League Central starter holds the mark as the fastest in Major League Baseball history? Is it Jack Flaherty, Marcus Stroman, or Corbin Burns? I let's go uh, the Brewers guy there, Corbin Burns. The Blues fell to the Montreal Canadiens in their first two Stanley Cup final appearances. Which original six team did they face in their third? Was it the New York Rangers, Toronto Maple Leafs, or the Boston Bruins? Uh, how about now, CD? Jeez. Um, okay. <laughs> I appreciate the honesty. <laughs> you said the, the Leafs, you said? Might as well. All right. <laughs> Happy birthday to Roy McIlroy. McIlroy is one of three golfers to win four majors before the age of 25, winning three of the four majors across 2012 to 2014. What is the only of the four majors he hasn't won? Is it the Masters, the Open Championship, or the PGA Championship? 
the Masters. All right, we'll double check our score and bring in Randy Carricker. Noah, how do you feel? Um, like Gallegos in the ninth. <laughs> oh. Well, here's the thing: he went into that ninth inning feeling pretty good. Now, well, you know what was better about watching the Cardinals game last night was watching Ted Lasso. <laughs> oh, I love that show. Randy, say hello to Noah. Noah, good morning. How you doing? I'm doing great, Randy. Thanks for listening. Thanks for playing. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> uh, here we go, Randy. Since 1969, only six pitchers have thrown 13 strikeouts versus the Cardinals at Bush Stadium, but only one pitcher has ever thrown 14 or more. Which former Cardinals pitcher holds that record? Former Cardinal had 14 against the Cardinals at Bush Stadium. Yep. Okay. I remember Rick Sutcliffe had 14 against the Cardinals at Wrigley, so that would not be it. Um, hmm. Let's see here. Um, six have done it, and it's a former. Well, I guess I'll do. You know what? I'll just play the Steve Carlton card here. Uh, I think that's a pretty safe bet. With his 13th strikeout last night, Shohei Otani reached 500 strikeouts and just over 380 innings pitch, making him the second fastest pitcher to that mark in Major League Baseball history. Which current National League Central starter holds the mark as the fastest in Major League Baseball history? Wow, fastest? A current National League Central starter is the fastest. That's a pretty good stat. Um, good job, Rock. So uh, I know a few years ago, Flaherty said the Cardinal record had more strikeouts, the fastest to uh, five to five hundred strikeouts for the Cardinals. Um, so that would be one possibility, I guess. Um, Brooke, I think I'll do the lifeline here. Jack Flaherty, Marcus Stroman, or Corbin Burns? Pretty sure it's not Marcus Stroman, so it's. Flaherty or Burns. I'm going to go with Corbin Burns, I guess. He strikes out a lot of guys. The Blues fell to the Montreal Canadiens in their first two Stanley Cup final appearances. Which original six team did they face in their third? In their third with the iconic photo. Uh, my buddy Steve Spagnolo. I, I actually got along with Spags really? very well. Huge Bruins fan. Hmm. And one of his favorite moments was Bobby Orr flying through the air after scoring the winning goal in Game 4 against the Blues. Blues never did win a game in the Stanley Cup Finals. And in their third year of existence, the Blues fell to the Boston Bruins in the Stanley Cup Finals. Spags was a huge Bruins fan, but not a Greatest Show on Turf fan. Not a Greatest Show on Turf fan. So one year for Christmas, I gave Spags... I ran into... Ran, ran into Bobby Orr and got him to autograph that photo and then gave it to Spags for Christmas. And so he always kept that in his office. He kept that in. He took those yeah, took greatest, the show, greatest Show on, on Turf pictures, pictures down. down yeah. hmm. Interesting. So like I said, mm-hmm. I, uh, personally, I got along with him great. A lot of people that worked with him did not. Yeah. Mm. Wonder why. Happy birthday to Roy McIlroy. McIlroy is one of three golfers to win four majors before the age of 25, winning three of the four majors across 2012 to 2014. What is the only of the four majors that he hasn't won? Rory McIlroy. I don't think he's won a. Uh... Did he win a? I don't think he's won a Masters. I'm going to go with the Masters. Green jacket. Ooh, this was a tough one. One person got three right, which means somebody beat them with four. Ring that bell. Go crazy, folks. Go crazy. 
amazing. The winner and still champion of the fight, Randy Carricker. The fight is presented by Golf Discount of St. Louis with the most experienced club fitters in town. Why shop anywhere else? Just win, baby. There it is. Randy Carricker gets all four correct. Noah, I'm sorry he beat you four to three today. That was quite the effort. Yeah, I'll take that any day of the week. <laughs> That's a good way to roll with it. Let's go through those questions. We'll find out where you went wrong. And well, guy, Noah, usually you you get a pair. Oh, <laughs> so getting three is impressive. <laughs> Since 1969, only six pitchers have thrown 13 strikeouts versus the Cardinals at Bush Stadium, but the only pitcher to throw 14 or more was, in fact, Steve Carlton when he came back on September 21st, 1982, and struck out 14 Cardinals in Bush Stadium. With his 13 strikeout last night, Shohei Otani reached 500 strikeouts in 388 innings pitch. He is just behind Corbin Burns, who hit his 500th strikeout in 365 innings pitched. The Blues fell to the Montreal Canadiens in their first two Hanley Cup Finals appearances, and they lost to the Bruins in their third in 1970. And who was the blue who stuck his stick in Orr's skate? Noel Picard! (laughs) I saw him in the shower. He's a big guy. (laughs) (laughs) I saw that picture. I I had seen that picture for 15 years before I knew that a blue... Like stuck his stick in oh, there and yeah, caused him yeah. to go flying. So Noel Picard wound up becoming the an analyst for the Blues, French Canadian guy. And one time with Dan Kelly, the uh, Blues were in the playoffs against Chicago, and I think it was Rick Vive Claves, if he's listening, can text in, or if you can text into the text line. But Mike Leute gets hit in the mask and gets knocked out of the game. Mm-hmm. And so Mike Leute's over on the bench, and Noel Picard says. I don't think that they're going to be able to bring Liu back into that game. His the, the blood's running out of his nose down into his eyes. <laughs> what? <laughs> I think that's going that's physically impossible. <laughs> and number four, happy birthday to Rory McIlroy. McIlroy, one of the three golfers to win four majors before the age of 25. He won three of the four across 2012 to 2014, but he still has that second place finish in the 2022 Masters, but no green jacket for Rory. It is the Masters. Randy wins this one four to three. Thank you so much again, Noah, for joining the fight and joining the show. It's all good. I'll be at Fenton Bar and Grill for lunch, and I'm playing golf in the afternoon, so it's a Randy character day. That's a perfect <laughs> day, Noah. Have a great time. Thanks so much. Appreciate it. Uh, Noah with us. I wish now that he would have beat me. <laughs> hey, on the heels of seeing Shohei Otani last night and him setting the strikeout record, coming, becoming the second fastest to 500 strikeouts, we want your texts, and if you want to drop a mic drop, you can. And uh, hopefully it's a great memory for you and something that still is in your mind's eye. Who's the, been the best athlete that you've ever seen perform in person? That's next, we want to hear from you on 101 ESPN. You're back to the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. Get so lucky to have seen Shohei Otani pitch last night. He is amazing, and he's something that baseball has never seen before. Sports has never seen before, and obviously we, I, will never see again. I don't think we'll ever see somebody as proficient both hitting and pitching as Shohei Otani. And it brought to mind, as we watched him last night, who the best athlete that I've ever seen was. I'm going to break it up into two categories, and we do want your text 314-399-9646 314-399-YOHO, and you can also leave a mic drop with the 101 ESPN app. But guys, I'm going to go, and I know this is against the rules, but I'm going to do it anyway. I'm going to go with two. From pure athletic ability, I had a chance to see Bo Jackson play. I saw him 
play baseball at the All-Star Game in 1989 when he hit that home run as the leadoff hitter for the American League. Tony LaRusso had him leading off, and he had a monstrous home run. Actually, Ronald Reagan was at the mic. I wasn't aware of it at the time. So you have to be in the ballpark or in the stadium. So I got a chance to see Bo play at the Big A in Anaheim. But from a production standpoint, and this will surprise nobody, the best I've ever seen was Michael. And I had a chance to see Michael once and when I did see him the team the Bulls went 40 and 1 at home and I was there for the loss but I I did get a chance the pleasure the honor of of seeing Michael Jordan play so from a production standpoint best athlete I have ever seen for me the best athlete I've seen it would be Michael Jordan in one uh, but I got to see Peyton Manning every single day in practice and in games and that to me was it, it was just so enlightening because he he's just a different type of guy the, the wheels and how they spin, you can actually see it happening as it's happening. So for me, in person, seeing those guys, but seeing Peyton every every day for, for you know months and watching him work and watching him in games, I thought that was spectacular. The, the game that I think I saw one of the greatest performances for me in person was James Harrison versus the uh, Baltimore Ravens. He had 10 tackles, three and a half sacks, three forced fumbles, an interception, and a fumble recovery. Wow. In one game. We won 38. I was on the, I'm on the team. I'm on the sideline watching it in real time. And like, bro, they cannot block him to save their <laughs> lives. He was a, a one-man wrecking crew in that game, and it was one of the best performances I've ever seen personally. I'm going to have to do kind of recency bias here because also I think I was at an age where I could actually appreciate what I was seeing because, you know, being a, a Titans fan, you're just I was just there in Nashville. I didn't get to go travel a lot to see some big games. And so personally, Steve McNair, of course, is like mm-hmm. a legend in Tennessee. But actually being able to see a player and how they work and appreciate it as an adult, I'm going to have to go with Albert Pujols. Seeing how he worked last season, you saw the obvious difference on the field, off the field, of why he is a Hall of Fame type level talent. I mean, the attention to detail that he had, the energy he brought every single day, the way that he was able to get the best out of every single person around him, you know, that's just like a very unique talent. Also, seeing Tiger Woods, 2018, Bell Reeve, I mean, and he was good too. Mm-hmm. And you got to see the red on on Sunday as well for him. Mm-hmm. I mean, in that final round, it was just, it was incredible seeing that in person because he was in, I felt like a pretty good state at that point too. So you actually could appreciate what you were seeing out there. Absolutely. And uh, I, I thought about that. That's, it's incredible. That's how lucky I've been is that I can have a list that includes two and doesn't include Tiger. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> How about you, Matthew? It's got to be Kevin Durant for me. I was just able to see him this past year, and, and I've, I've watched him his entire career, so many of his games, and to see the difference once I actually did get to see him in person, I think that's why that part of the question is so important of who you saw in person because it completely changed. I mean, his, his jumper looks silky. The the moves he you know, the dribble moves he pulls off at seven feet look in, impossible on television. And you see him do it in person, and it, it's literally like you're watching like poetry in motion. It, it changes how you look at it. So for me, it's it, I think it's got to be Kevin Durant. And people are uh, texting in. Anthony Stalter has three: Michael Jordan, Barry Sanders, and Michael Vick. I, and oh, now, yeah. I will tell you, I was when he got the nickname Superman, I was there. We were we were I was on that team. It Carolina, was, right? Yes. He is he is a he is one of the most dynamic athletes I've ever seen in my life. 
Yeah, Hands he, down. He was unbelievable. And then my buddy Crash, one of the preeminent uh, personal trainers in town, does so many hockey players in the area and says Mario Lemieux for sure mm-hmm. in his prime. I mean, yeah. Mario Lemieux's 6'4 and 225 and just a monster with unbelievable hands. He was great. And uh, by the way, he's, he's with Big Walt right now. And Big Walt says Gretzky, yeah. but he also, Big Walt is going with, uh, with Bo Jackson as well. Bo was another one. Oh, yeah. yeah. Well, uh, even hockey player wise, like seeing Connor McDavid. Mm hmm. Yeah. In person as well. I mean, it's it's hard to like you until you see like a player like that where you're like, okay, yeah, now I see what may, what the elite level talent is. Yeah. It, I mean, they just stand out out of the group. Simone Biles, we got a chance to see yeah. a few years ago. Somebody texted in from the three one four with Simone. What an incredible athlete! By the way, congratulations on her marriage yeah. to uh, St. Louisan, right, Jonathan? Yes. Jonathan Owens, Owens, yeah, of the uh, of the Houston Texans. Mm-hmm. So congratulations to those two kids. And of CBC. And of CBC, yeah. <laughs> uh, from the 314, Bob Gibson. If you saw, And I saw Bob Gibson at the end of his career. But obviously, when you play for the Globetrotters and you were one of the best pitchers of all time, you have to be on that list, and that is a great call. Uh, Brad Smith of Mizzou, the breakout game at we don't we don't at the speak of, oh, we don't, we don't, were, you, we don't, were you there? Yeah, that one? we don't speak about Brad Smith here. He absolutely <laughs> yeah. killed us. He was unbelievable. Oh he was pretty my athletic. God, where did this guy come yeah. from? Yeah, uh, Brett Hull and Wayne Gretzky. They were a, a great pair. We've we've been so lucky. I never got a chance to see JJK perform in person mm-hmm. in, in stadium. Yeah. Obviously, if you're picking somebody from St. Louis, then JJK would be the one. But I just I never had the opportunity to to see her perform in person. So many people, and I know that you're on board with this one, CD, are saying Deion Sanders, who was electrifying. Uh, yeah. I never got to see him in in prime time. I, I did get to see. So it, here's a funny story. I watched. We were in Atlanta and we were playing the Seattle Seahawks, and Jerry Rice was in his 40s. So we, I did get to see Jerry in person at at the tail end of his career. And my my good friend Christian Morton, who went to Riverview, we went to Illinois together. He was on the team. He's so excited. He calls his dad. Dad, I, I locked up Jerry Rice. I got to play against him. His dad was like, Son, he's 45 years old. Who the hell cares? <laughs> It's <laughs> not wrong. Not wrong. <laughs> hey, do you remember in 1999 a Marshall Falk touchdown run against the Cleveland Browns? Yes. When uh, it, I, I think it, it was, was here, right? Yeah, Vermeil yeah. said to Hanny, oh. "We didn't block anybody no. on that play." And he made like eight guys miss. <laughs> yeah. that's, I do remember yeah. that one. That's in the it's in the uh, America's Game clip, and yeah, he, and he like pulls Marshall over to the side, and he goes, "Marshall, we didn't block anybody." The stop cut that Marshall has about 30 yards down the field when the safety's coming from behind him. Yeah. And it's the most eyes in the back of the head play I think I've ever seen a running back make in my entire life. The safety's come from behind him. He just stops. The guy immediately runs in front of him, and then he re-accelerates and takes off. Marshall, as a running back, was he was a natural. I'm sure Barry Sanders was the exact same mm-hmm. way. But some guys just have that innate ability, like you say, Matthew, have the eyes in the back of their head, and there's no way that you can contain them. From the 5-7-3, we get a Mark McGuire. And that year that Mark McGuire had, you think about hitting a ball hard, steroids or not, but hit the ball that hard. Crushing it. Yeah, every yeah. single time. And when yeah. he saw a strike, it went over the fence. Yeah, yeah. So, that was a that was a that was a great year for baseball for Cardinals. Mm-hmm. It was a, it was an outstanding year. And I think the athletic ability of hitting a ball is really underrated. Yeah, probably the hardest thing to do. I, I agree. That hand eye coordination that is required to hit that ball and and have success with it is it's 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 a different level. Uh, Roman Berkey is a text from the three one four said he could play any sport. Big time recent recency bias. LOL. But hey, it's if that's your guy, that's your guy. Yes. 
I'm not doing anything over here. I'm I'm agreeing. Yeah. That is very very that is that is the definition of recency bias. Yeah. Rowan Murphy's great. That's I'm not doing anything no. against him, but that's very much very we, we still have a season to get through. This makes me, this makes me ask though, the most excited is is Cujo far and away the most exciting like goaltender to watch in, in in St. Louis history? Probably. I I don't think that uh there's anybody that matches his athletic ability and his his style is panache. Uh, here's here's one. I saw Sandy Alcantara in Jupiter Spring Training the year we traded him. Oh my gosh! <laughs> <laughs> They're always bringing back, aren't they? Yeah, they always are. And uh, we must mention this from the seven three one, Ozzy Smith. Yes. If you saw oh, yeah. Ozzy Smith yeah. play shortstop, yeah. He was an amazing athlete. It was it was a different level. I mean, you know, as a kid, those are the guys you want to see. It was just what baseball was to me in the 80s growing up. You know he's going to make a play. You know he's going to get in the hole, make a throw, uh, make a spectacular flip to second base for, for, mm-hmm. for a double play. It was just awesome to watch him play baseball. By the way, I want to throw LeBron out there because Michael and LeBron, it's one thing to watch him on TV. When you see them in person, they make it look so yeah. easy and effortless. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Number one, I don't think we appreciate their running speed, how mm-hmm. fast those guys yeah. are. But they just they make the court look small, and they just look like they do it so effortlessly, and they're incredible. Both of them were. Well, and that's the difference of actually being able to see that, that talent in person, because then you can really see... Oh wow, this is like a huge difference compared to these other professional athletes. It stands out even more and that's why I brought out Albert like just being able to be behind the scenes last season as a reporter and see every little thing that he was doing, how much he was working out, how much he was leading that clubhouse. I mean, it was it was incredible and you're like, "No wonder he's yeah. so successful." And guys, by the way, to circle back to how this started, Shohei's got to be in my top 5. Oh, yeah. seeing 100%. him in person, he's going to be in my top 5 and, all time. And a 13 strikeout yeah. uh, appearance. That <laughs> Yeah. Just, it's incredible. Yeah, it and is. the way that he can hit the ball, too. I mean, it's just, I I think you're right. I, take away the once in a generation. I don't think you'll ever see somebody like that again. He's He was incredible, and it was an honor to be able to see him last night. Hopefully, and I don't know if we have seen the lineup yet. It's 9 o'clock, and the game starts at 12.15. But hope, I can't imagine that he wouldn't be in the lineup today. Why wouldn't they DH him? I mean, I'm sure he is. He was pitching for the Cardinals. He did have that day off. Jack though. Flaherty. Jack Flaherty. Oh, that's a good matchup. I want to so. see that. Yeah, I do too. That'll be fun. Uh, thank you very much for the text. We do appreciate it. That's always fun to hear, to hear about people that you've had the opportunity to see in person. Next up, we've got our Rush Hour Reset, and we've got a few more of your mic drops on the heels of the Cardinals 6-4 loss last night. If you, well, we'll, we'll it was a heartbreaker, okay? It was a heartbreaker. It was a heartbreaker. That's coming your way on 101 ESPN. You're back to the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. I wouldn't think about throwing one to Trout for a strike. Throw it under the zone if you're going to throw it. Uh-oh. Trout puts the Angels... In front. Brad Thompson and Chip Carey last night on Bally Sports Midwest. Uh, BT saying, I wouldn't throw Trout a strike. And then right on cue, boom. 
the uh-oh for me is like, great uh-oh. <laughs> love it. Good job, Chip. I know Chip's listening on as we're driving to the ballpark. Great job. We love it. And, uh, oh. yeah, I was, I, uh-oh. That's the, that. What else can you say, right? Uh, that's it. That's all. So, and, Brooke, I know that you had uh, you, uh, our buddy Jimmy the Cat Hayes talk to uh, Michael Gersh, the Cardinal General Manager on Bally Sports, and you were struck by some of the things that Gersh had, some of the honest things that Gersh had to say. Well, yeah, and that's, and it happened before the game, before we knew what was going to happen, but it honestly felt like probably something that fans would appreciate to hear, where it was very honest from Gersh. We're finding ways to lose at the moment, which is incredibly frustrating. Um, in some cases, it's it's uh, it, it's mistakes we make. In some cases, it's it's opportunities the other team takes advantage of. Um, in some cases, it's underperformance, you know, by individual players. But in other cases, guys are actually performing well, but just not not putting it together to, to get W's. It's uh, it's it's incredibly frustrating to watch, and it's especially with the start of the season. It's it's one thing to have a cold stretch at some point, but when you start the season like that, it's it's painful. Finding ways to lose games. Mm-hmm. And we're seeing that. It's, I mean, it, it feels like at this point you found just about every way to lose yeah. a game. And I'm going to go back to the quote because I think that plays into what you just heard there. That I brought this up earlier. It's a business quote, but you can use it for sports as well. Talent and those who know how to cultivate it will ultimately win. There's absolutely no doubt about it. And Kerry is a coach. And nothing applies more than that, right? Talent and those who cultivate yeah. it. And that's and that means maximizing the individual talents. And Carrie, you talked about this earlier. Not trying to change an athlete into what you want the athlete to be, but maximizing what the athlete has. The best golf coach that I've ever had He's down at uh, Crystal Springs Quarry, right across the street from, well, it's in Creevecourt Park. His name is Nash Haxel. And he doesn't try to change my swing. What he does is he tries to tweak what I am mm-hmm. to make me better rather than to change everything. Yeah, I think if you are a, a great coach or, or fancy yourself as such, you don't change what great athletes do. You you accentuate it. You, you allow them to be who they are, and you say, I'm going to coach, change my style in order to fit what you do well as an athlete. And that's generally what the best coaches are able to do. And when you start tweaking and start messing with things to kind of fit your narrative, I don't mm-hmm. think it ever really goes well. Let's hear some mic drops and our friend Janet, friend of the station, friend of the show here with Brooke and Carrie and Randy. Janet is going to join. Do you want to get to somebody else first? Would you like to get to me? Okay, we're getting, there we go. We got it. Here we go. Here's Janet. All I have to say is, come on, guys, do your job. This is, you all have a lot of talent. Start using it. They clearly do have a lot of these guys. Mm-hmm. The the baseball card doesn't lie. The The things they've done. Tommy Edmond was a top five war player last year. Since they came into the league for the last decade or so, Nolan Arnato and Paul Goldschmidt have been top war guys. Wilson Contreras has won a World Series. The outfield, not so much. But there are, is talent on this team. I'm not saying that they should be in first place, but this team should be better than 10 and 21 with the worst record in the National League. A hundred percent. Well, yes. it goes back to what you've said kind of early on. You don't need to show everybody a hundred percent. Guess what? We've seen a hundred percent out of just about every single one of these guys, except for Taylor Motter. I still don't understand what's going on there, but that's a discussion for another day, I guess. Service time. He's getting service time. Great. Fantastic. Why not do something else? <laughs> Bring up Juan Yepes. By the way, Luke and Baker down in Memphis. 11th home run this season yeah. last night. Paul Bunyan. Randy, 
I, I told you that that I, that's a sensitive subject for me when guys are on rosters and they don't belong there. Uh-huh. I told you I was I was released and mm-hmm. there was a touchdown Tommy Lipinski on the roster for a few more games, <laughs> collecting a couple of checks and that to the the disdain that I have when the best players aren't playing or aren't on the roster. It just it does not sit well with me, and I think it gives a bad message to your team that yeah we're we're going to do what's in the best interest of the team financially and maybe not the best interest of the team in terms of winning and losing games. That is frustrating. I'm going to, I'm, did, you, I'm, did you find them? I haven't found them yet. L-O-P-E-I or I-E? Tommy. Okay. I, I'm going to find yeah. Tommy Lipinski. Touchdown Tommy Touchdown, Lipinski. Tommy. Yeah, we'll just Went to Notre Dame. He's a... Okay. Oh, we'll find him, but we need to hear from Wes <laughs> right now on 101 ESPN. Is it, or what is it? Here's my problem with the press conference last night in Ollie Marmel. He contradicted himself at least eight times. I have no clue what he was talking about. He either was sending a message to the clubhouse, which doesn't make sense by what he said, or he was sending a message to the fan base, which also doesn't make sense by what he said. He started talking about intent and how he liked the guy's intent in the box better. But then he said that the problem is, is that they're being... Uh, they they care too much and they're 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 doing more than they have to. Well, if you care too much and you're doing more than you have to, the last thing that should be noticeable is a bad intent. So that doesn't make any sense. Yeah, I think that was taken out of context a mm-hmm. little bit. I, I don't I don't think that that's what he meant. I, I mean, I think he's saying that th- their approach or or their ideas of how they were going to attack the Angels and, and Shohei, he liked their approach, and it, it it ended up paying off. They scored four runs. They got a couple of uh, big hits and a home run off of Shohei. And so that part of it you enjoy. And he's saying that I didn't – none of us – want to lose games the the feeling that we have in this clubhouse is awful and you know i understand that fans are frustrated you can't be more frustrated than the people that are involved and and if that's the case then you got a whole problem on your hand that's a different problem to have if the people outside of the clubhouse care more Mm -hmm. than the people inside of it well and you had all those booze i mean randy you said at the beginning of the show have you heard Booze like that inside no. of this Bush Stadium. No, it was unbelievable how loud it was. There was a texter earlier that I saw that said they they understood the booze, but they hated that it happened with Shohei on the mound. Because if you're thinking about it, if that's a guy that's you're guy trying to on the mound. no 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 no, I mean with oh, Shohei with him, at the game, game. where he can see that, yeah. and yeah. so where he can hear that and see that, if you're trying to woo him to be a become a St. Louis Cardinal, does he take that into consideration? Yeah, don't worry I, about I, it. I don't either because I'm sure the Los Angeles <laughs> Angels have been booed a time or two yeah. since he's been there. And it's, uh, if he's going to go to New York and be a Yankee, they, uh, yeah. there's a chance that they could be booed. Uh, I'm sure. Yes. Well, and it, and that just shows, in my opinion, the passion from the fan base. That's what you want. You want fan base that actually care. The results of this right now are very frustrating. And look, Miles Michaelis said it last night too. He understands why fans are frustrated. You do have the right to because how many times have we said we know how talented this roster is? You heard Gersh say the same thing. You've heard Ali Marmol said the same thing. You've heard Mosaloc say the same thing. We know how talented this group is. We see how they can actually perform. We've seen it many times before and it's very confusing as to why they're underperforming so far. It's bewildering. By the way, Tom Lipinski, L-O-P-I-E-N-S-K-I, Tom Lipinski, who has never been forgotten by Kerry Davis. Never. He wore number 36 for the Colts, played in a couple of games, and actually scored a touchdown. Touchdown, touchdown Tommy. Tommy Lipinski. Go, he scored yeah. in the playoff game, and they kept him the next year. That's ridiculous. Six foot 246. <laughs>
We need to get in touch with Tommy Lipinski. We need to. Uh, we, Tommy's we, a good guy. It's not his fault. We need some therapy here. <laughs> oh, it ain't his fault. He's not the. I got a few coaches on the list that I, I w- would definitely sit down and have some conversations with. So I think we can all agree right now that something just you need some jolt or something to kind of shake things up. I know that the lineups are already out. We already saw that. Not anything different really from the Cardinals, but. If you're the Cardinals by this weekend, is there any roster moves that you would like to see made to maybe give this team a spark, or do you just continue to ride with what you have currently? We And take away Wayno coming back. We know that he's coming back. Okay. I don't think there is, Brooke. It's kind of weird. I, I, I would like to, now that we are where we are, and it, it appears that they're giving Dylan Carlson a legitimate chance. And by the way, he hit a home run hitting left-handed last night. Mm-hmm. I would like to see... Carlson play center field every day. I, would I like to see Jordan Walker? Yes, but I think they've messed him up so that I want to see him actually messed have... Messed him up good. Yeah, I think I want to see him have a level of success before he comes back up here. And I don't know if he will because it, they sent him down with the idea that they were going to change his mechanics for people that do play golf. Think about a golf coach that changes your mechanics. It, it takes a while to get into a new groove. So here's what I... I, I want... Uh, every day, I want Tyler O'Neill in left. I want Carlson center in center. I want uh, Newt in right. The infield is what it is. Donovan's going to be your second baseman, and then you, you platoon the catchers. Give yourself the best chance to win with the catchers, and then Gorman is your DH. And so you, I, I want to see the lineup. For you want to see some consistency? Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. It yeah. would be. I mean, I would love to see that. I would love to see you trot out the same in the same order yep. as well in, in in the lineup, having guys in the same spot for a week, for a week and a half, ten days. Yeah. Let's just. Well, you've tried everything else, but that. Why not try that yeah. out and see how that works? Yeah. Any moves you'd like to see, Brooke? Yeah, I I still think why not give Yep as a chance because yeah. I'm not understanding what Taylor Motter's purpose here is currently, and something needs to be done with Steven Matz I think as well too because if it's just not working out, it's not working out. You move him to the bullpen, so I would like to see Yep as I still believe that Walker should have been here, but that's already a move that has been made. I I don't know. It just feels like maybe some sort of spark could help this team out a lot. And maybe Wayno returning, just having more of that veteran presence actually around in a game setting could help for this team. But it just feels like there needs to be something more right now for this group because it it, it just seems like they're lacking that confidence and energy. And you talked about Ollie with, you know, the guys showing a little bit more intent. I think we would like to see that on a more consistent basis. But still, it... It's hard to figure out what is exactly going on with this group right now, but it feels like you need just even a little slight change to see if there's some way to get a spark out of this group. And I thought it was interesting what Greg said earlier, too, about Blake Snell and not buying anymore when he knew that he you know, wanted to be traded. Mm-hmm. Do you wonder if that's the case with some of these guys, too? I think that's a serious concern. Yeah, especially with some of the veteran guys. I think it is a real concern. That's Brooke. That's Kerry. I'm Randy. That's today's Rush Hour Reset. Coming up, we're going to talk a little blues with our buddy Jeremy Rutherford of The Athletic. He's our blues insider, and he's next on 101 ESPN. You're back to the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. It's time for the Rutherford Report on 101 ESPN. Anything you folks want to know about the fascinating world of pro hockey, here we go.
ESPN, and we head to the celebrity line. Jeremy Rutherford, our Blues insider from The Athletic, joins us. And JR, over the course of his career and his life of being a sports fan, has seen many great athletes in person and was listening to that segment earlier. JR, good to have you with us as always. How are you doing this morning? Good to be here. Good stuff. Uh, so who do you got? Who's on your list? Well, it's the cool thing about this job is, uh, like you said earlier, Randy and, and Brooke, uh, you know, we're around so many great athletes. And the one cool thing I want to be able to tell my kids and grandkids is a list of names that either got to watch in person or actually cover and interview and, and write stories about. And because he's listening, uh, Big Walt's got to be on that list, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you got uh, Gretzky and uh, Tiger Woods. There was an event at Forest Park. I'll never forget it. This is when Tiger was in his prime and he was kind of putting on a clinic for youth in the area. And uh, got to be about 10 feet away and watch Tiger do his thing. And also, don't forget, I covered the Fighting Illini for a couple of years. There was a, a fullback by the name of Kerry Davis, who's also on that list. JR, he was really good from, from all of the things I've heard about him. Yeah. He's pretty outstanding. JR, I, I think so. do you remember those trick shots? Tiger would hit left handed with a right handed club, those trick shots that he was doing during that clinic? Yeah, I. I don't know that I saw those, but I'm aware of them. It was unbelievable. He was, uh, he, he literally took a driver, and a right-handed driver, and would hit left-handed with a right-handed driver 200 yards. Boom. Oh, my. Yeah, and I think uh, I think that was on one of the commercials. And next time you have Blue CEO Chris Zimmerman on, he was with Nike at the time, and I think he was there for one of the filming of the commercials. So he's got uh, the story there firsthand. All right. Well, even though it's hard watching playoff hockey right now because the Blues are in it, I was glued to that game last night with the Oilers and Golden Knights. You had Ivan Barbashev, the former Blue, with two goals, and Alex Petrangelo with an assist. They were able to win it. But, man, Leon Dreisaitl, I mean, literally carrying the Oilers in that game. I am so glad that I put uh, Leon Dreisaitl in my top five for the MVP, the Hart Trophy. It's so hard to do when you also have McDavid on that team. What's the argument? You know, can you have two guys from the same team? You have to with these two guys. You absolutely have to. Uh, Dreisaitl definitely on that list. And he shows it last night with the four goals. His hat trick goal ties the game 3-3. And as you mentioned, Brooke Barbashev comes back with his second of the game just a minute later. Great response by Vegas. And uh, they withstood the four goals by Dreisaitl. Amazing performance. The second four-goal performance in the playoffs here, and you come up on the losing end, uh, including uh, Pavelski in Dallas. Jeremy Rutherford, I know that you've got a project that you're working on for The Athletic, and uh, we'd like to help you if we can. How can we do so? Yeah, I need your guys' help. So we have uh, on Monday is the draft lottery for the NHL, and obviously the Blues have a 3.5% chance at getting counter Bedard. So we have 11 writers at The Athletic, myself being one of them, who have to state your case. Why should your team, why should the St. Louis Blues get Connor Bedard? And just to give you, you know, we're trying to have fun with it. So what's your sob story? Is it Judge Houston giving Scott Stevens away? Why should the Blues get Connor Bedard? I will start by saying the Blues have never been lucky in the draft. The year they could have had Sidney Crosby, Pittsburgh got it. The year that they had the first pick in the draft, there wasn't that uber-talented Connor McDavid, Nathan McKinnon-type forward available, even though Jonathan Taves wound up being very good, but <laughs> they, they wound up with Eric Johnson. The Blues have had such bad draft luck over the course of their 54 years that they deserve some draft luck now. That's a good case. That's a good case. And you did mention, I'm glad you mentioned uh, Jonathan Taves because the Blues did have T.J. Oshie on the team at the time. He played with Taves in college, and he made his pitch uh, for them to draft Taves. They didn't. They went with Eric Johnson. Of course, we know 
what Jonathan Taves did in Chicago. Every time I mention that story, Randy, Carrie and Brooke, to uh, Blues fans, though, they say, good, we didn't want Jonathan Taves on our team. And he didn't want <laughs> us either. <laughs> I think we did, by the way. Unless I, he was I, here. Yeah, I think we did want him. Man, can you imagine Taves and Oshie up front? Woo, that would have been fun. Yeah. Yeah, it would have been unbelievable. And then also, I've, I've mentioned this before, but the Blues attempting to, to make a trade with Chicago uh, when Kane was taken number one overall, and, and Chicago didn't bite on that trade proposal from the Blues. So Kane could have been a Blue as well. And by the way, the Blues did try, after they took Eric Johnson, to trade for the second pick, but they were going to take Jordan Stahl, right? They, I think they were, they were not going to take Taves even with the second pick in the draft. Yeah, and obviously it would have never came to that. They were going to make that number one overall pick. But, yeah, Stahl was the, the guy back then at that point. I mean, you look at where Taves went, uh, Stahl was a guy that a lot of scouts even liked. JR, I know we were a few days removed uh, from the the Boston Bruins being ousted in the playoffs. What were your thoughts about Omark not playing and, and Swayman being put in in Game 7? Yeah, that's a tough one because I got all the respect in the world for uh, Jim Montgomery. He did a terrific job with the Blues. He's done a fantastic job with uh, Boston all year long. But uh, I heard Darren Pang with you guys, and, and I agree wholeheartedly. You go with the guy who got you there. Uh, those types of goalies are going to rise to the occasion. And I thought there were a couple of questionable goals with Swayman. Not to take anything away from him, he's done a great job, as you know, Kerry, all year long. But you got to go with the horse. Like, uh, Allmark's going to win the Vesna. That's who I voted for. That's a lot of people are going to vote for. And to see him sitting on the bench during that loss as they uh, ended their season was tough to see. Well, and Jr., you also probably heard me ask too. Just seeing Matthew Kachuk and the difference maker that he has been for the Panthers, I just I wish that he would have been a Blue. And I know that you covered how that all panned out. Could you kind of break down how the conversations went with Kachuk and the Blues? Yeah, I think it was pretty close. I really do. I, you know, I think that uh, we wrote a lot of stories about it, and people said enough already. He's not coming to St. Louis. But I think that behind the scenes, talking to people, uh, it was close. But Florida saw the opportunity. They swooped in. And here's the thing. They made an offer that had two established veteran players uh, that also – was a situation where Calgary, with Daryl Sutter, they want to win now. They weren't ready to go through a rebuild. And and so, you know, the information that I was told at the time and kind of continue to, to stand by is uh, I think the Blues were willing to offer Jordan Cairo. I don't think that uh, Calgary was interested, even though he's got that promising future. And I think that, uh, you know, you probably had to look at some sort of combination of uh, Tarasenko, Scandella, a first-round pick, all parts of a possible offer to Calgary. Uh, but the Flames went with the one involving Huberto and, and Uyghur. And so they make that trade, and now you see all the change in Calgary. Daryl Sutter's gone. It's like, what are they doing? Uh, so I think that uh, it's a situation where Kachuk could have been a blue, uh, but it was a great deal for him in Florida, and he is super happy to be there. By the way, JR, I just went back to that 2006 draft. The five guys taken after Eric Johnson in that first round, and this doesn't happen in the NHL. All five players, two through six, all have played more than 1,000 games in the NHL. Jordan Stahl has 275 goals, 645 points. Taves had 372 goals, 883 points. Uh, Nicholas Backstrom, 761 assists, 1,032 points. And Phil Kessel, 413 goals, 992 points. And then Derek Brassard has had a nice career. He has uh, put up 545 points in 1,013 games. That's a pretty good first round. That doesn't ordinarily happen with the top of the NHL draft. Yeah, that is great. And you look at that, uh, Kessel's got the uh, Ironman streak. And then also of the guys that you mentioned, a few Stanley Cups in there, 
uh, obviously with uh, with Taves, and then now Stahl has a chance this year with a great Carolina team. So that's a real good group. And even uh, Eric Johnson went and got his. Unfortunately for St. Louis fans, uh, he had to go somewhere else to get it, but I think Blues fans are happy what happened a few years uh, before that. Yeah, we'll take our Stanley Cup. Hey, we'll be reading your work at The Athletic, and uh, go, go get us that number one pick, will you? Yeah, we'll try to do that. 3.5% chance we'll be uh, waiting on Monday night as the NHL draft lottery is held. And, and keep in mind, guys, uh, they moved the start time for that. It was 6 o'clock p.m. on ESPN. It's now 7 p.m. On, on ESPN. So small chance for the Blues, but I'll do my best, Randy. Oh, beautiful. Love it. Thank you, sir. All right. See you, guys. See you, JR. Jeremy Rutherford, our Blues insider from The Athletic on 101 ESPN. Coming up. Brooke was wondering about the presence of Taylor Motter on this team, and I've got it figured out. I've got it figured out. Oh, goodness. Yep, we're going to talk about it next. Can't wait for this one. On 101 ESPN. You're back to the opening drive podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. Great to have you with us on the opening drive on 101 ESPN. Brooke Grimsley, Randy Carricker, Kerry Davis, and Cardinals back in action today. And again, Taylor Motter, for whatever reason, is not in the lineup, the, the veteran. And by the way, if you're not aware of Taylor Motter, he's 33 years old. Uh, he's kind of been around the block a little bit. This year with the Cardinals, he has played in seven games. He has 20 played appearances in the Cardinals 20, no, 31 games. 20 played appearances in 31 games. And you, Brooke, wondered what, what his purpose was. And uh, last night, we wound up with some micro, some 101 ESPN microphones in the Cardinal Clubhouse. And he was actually, he was talking to some of his teammates. And uh, here's what we found out. I've got one. I've got a special purpose. You do? Yeah, See, he does. He's got a special purpose. Oh my goodness! Mm-hmm. We're just, we're just, uh, you know, I, I will never disparage a player. He, he's getting, he's, he's obviously earned the right to be here, and whether or not anyone else is is here or not is not. He, he didn't, he didn't make any of the transactions or move anyone up or down. I just feel that there are other players that could help this team. Mm-hmm. Every day. I mean, whether or not Modder plays is not his. That that has nothing to do with it. There are guys that could be here that could be playing every day that could help this roster and help this team, and they're not doing that right now. So, you know, Taylor Modder sitting here and and being a part of this team, it's a great for him. I've I've been in that position. I've been you know trying to scratch claws, stay on the roster. So, head shout out to him. I, you know, he's a major and leaguer, I, and yeah. I love the hair. Yeah, I, I, I prefer here. the nickname Tomater. We're going to try to get that going. I don't know if Taylor listens to the opening drive, but Hopefully if anyone not. does, <laughs> if anyone does and, and is friends or, or familiar with Taylor, Tomater, Tomater is a. Uh, this is where I'm going. I call him Brennan Donovan's stand-in because they look identical with the long flows. So somebody from the five seven three texted him. Taylor Monder is on the team to sit on the bench. He is a pawn in the Cardinals' attempt to get all of the other outfielders' time on the field, whether it's in the minors or majors. Not saying I completely agree with it. It's clearly not working right now, but that's how I see it. I mean, it, it allowed you to have to open up some space and allow you to, to have those guys get their opportunities on the field. Now, my question would be this. When we get to how many how many games do you need to see from these outfielders to say, OK, you know, Jordan Walker played in 20 games. He had 20 hits. 
are we going to get to 50 games, 65 games, and say, all right, well, you're in 65 games in and you got 30 hits. Are, are we are we ready to uh, decide that that project isn't going to work and that experience isn't going to work and we're going to go in the direction that was actually working? One thing that I would want if I were a franchise is if I had the danger, if I was playing people all the time and there was the danger of, oh, one guy maybe pulling a hamstring or one guy suffering a wrist injury, uh, if I had an, uh, an outfielder in that situation, I would rather have a player at Memphis that's been getting reps every day than, so, than somebody who's cold and doesn't get at bats. Memphis is a four-hour drive away. And if you lose uh, an O'Neill or a Carlson for a little while, you could have Yepes up here or Jordan up here, Jordan Walker, in a blink. And I, I would much rather have those guys getting reps and experience at bats there than sitting here and not getting at bats at all. But Jordan Walker had really good at bats here. I mean, it's not yeah, like he, he was he, struggling. I, I'm just talking specifically about that 26 spot on the roster. I got you. I don't. Yeah, I, I agree with that. I, if you're not starting or playing every day, yeah, be somewhere where you. But and he should be playing every he day should here. Be Walker playing should be playing every, every day, day here. here. Yeah, yes. you're, you're right about that. But it, just to that specific spot on the team, I, I think that Taylor Motter's perfect. A 33 year old guy who's been around the block, and he, you're not. He's not on the team to help you win games. He's he's a space filler in case you have an emergency, and. So, yes, I would like to have Jordan Walker on the team. But I think if Jordan Walker were on the team, I'd rather send Burleson out than Taylor Motter and yeah. let him get reps in at the minor league level. Because I think with the DH and 13 position players, whoever that 13th position player is is not going to get enough time to improve or be worthwhile. And how mm-hmm. with the DH, how often are you going to pinch hit? Right. Not often. So I'm not, I'm not going to. I'm I'm happy about getting getting him some service time. I'm not going to disparage. Enjoying having you're not disparaging, but just just want I guess in in this instance when you need any sort of spark or something to get this team going, I like aggressive moves. You're showing that you're doing things to make sure that every single day you're going to win. Again, agree with you 100. percent But I don't think he's the guy. If you. If, exactly. If you're, I mean, to you don't you don't push him out. If you person, if if your organization or somebody in your organization has an issue personally that is beyond the professional with a player, and that player isn't playing, get that player out the door. Carrie, how, from a coaching standpoint or a player's standpoint. How is it ever a positive to have a player that doesn't get along with the, the coach or manager, or worse, the coach that doesn't like the player? It's never good. It it it, it becomes in, infectious and and it becomes a disease in the team. And so, if you have guys that aren't good people or, or don't work well with others, you do have to remove those people from the team as soon as possible. And I don't know that this is an issue, but when that takes place, you definitely want to do that. We do have video and audio evidence of it being somewhat of an issue. (laughs) Well, and also when the record's this way, and as we've said, you're losing, and it seems like every possible way, you're going to have a lot of those questions of, is this team actually buying into whatever philosophy the front office management has? And that's what Greg Amstinger was talking about earlier. The established star players want the Bochi, the Buck Showalter, Dusty Baker. If you have a roster with established big league stars all up and down the lineup, you need to go get a reputable manager. If you've got a front office agenda 
and a style and a philosophy that is driving the success of your team, then you need an extension of your front office who's executing the game plan with no pushback. What are the Cardinals? Are the Cardinals the team that's not littered with multi-million dollar stars and an agenda and a philosophy is what reigns supreme? Or is it a, a, a team littered with players making $30 million a year? Well, they got two, right? Uh, the Cardinals are kind of in between in their roster makeup. So who leads this roster is a confusing thing, and it's a tough question to answer. It, it is a tough question to answer, but at the end of the day, what you, what you need to do is to maximize the people that you know are great, right? You need to maximize the Arenados and the Goldschmidts and the Wainwrights of the world. And you hope that whoever is running the show can do both, can help the young players ascend to, to their best abilities, but you got to get the most out of your stars because ultimately that's how you win is with your stars performing. Yeah, best I mean, players being your best players. You, that's the only way you're going to win. And I think as a as a manager, coach, when you're a leader of 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 an organization, a group, a leader of men, it is a tough task, especially when you're trying to get everybody on the same page and get everybody to buy in. But it's not as tough of a task if you are adamant and steadfast and doing the things every single day and and guys actually believe. But it takes everybody. It takes the players trusting and believing. And right now, I feel like. It's 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 a little bit frustrating to watch because I don't know if there's a lack of trust or a, a misunderstanding of the the plan and what we're trying to do. You just have to have everybody on the same page. And when I say everybody, that's everybody in the front office mm-hmm. down to the 26th man on the roster. We all have to have the same vision, same plan, and the same idea. If not, we're going to struggle. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. Everybody has to buy in. And yeah. it's and like you're, to your point, it's not just the players buying in. It's every single person in that organization right now buying into what is the plan moving forward. Because I think it's safe to say, and we've talked about this all week, this doesn't feel like normal Cardinals based baseball that we've seen this doesn't feel like the Cardinals way you know we talked about this last year when um what's the reliever from the Brewers when he got traded Josh Hader Josh Hader how the Brewers kind of spiraled downhill how he was a well-liked person in the clubhouse and they had what they called a hater hangover how they Mm -hmm. just struggled I wonder if there is a a sense of that when you send a young man like Jordan Walker down and there's a clear misunderstanding or miscommunication or lack thereof to me if I'm, you know, front office management Pobo, I'm going to, we have to have a conversation in front of the team. Hey, Jordan Walker has played outstanding. There are a few things. If you just send him down and bring someone else up and the rest of the, well, what, did he, what did he do wrong? Because mm-hmm. it's a sense of he's not performing well, which is why you would send him down. He was performing pretty well, maybe not to the tune of hitting the ball out of the, the, the park in the manner in which you wanted him to. But 20 hits in 20 games seems to me that he was 17 OPS, 718 OPS, seems to me he was doing pretty well. So that's the communication or lack thereof. If you don't have that, you're having people wondering what the heck is going on. And I think that's probably prevalent throughout the clubhouse. Brooke, Kerry, Randy, opening drive. Going to head down the stretch with a an edition of Rock and Roll here on 101 ESPN. You're back to the opening drive podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. Let's rock. Let's rock today. Michigan 
center Hunter Dickinson, the number one player in the transfer portal, transfers to KU. Congratulations to the Jayhawks on winning that bidding war. Hmm. Hunter Dickinson, now a member of the Kansas basketball program. Michigan got a good player a little while back, didn't they? Oh, yeah. Guy from here, Caleb Love. Caleb Love, yeah, heads to Michigan. So... Congratulations. To Why, you the frustrated? heck did I ever do to you? What? You, what? you thought he was going to go to Mizzou? You should have gone apparently to he was. Apparently he was. Indiana fell out. Michigan came in late. Yeah. Rock. Out of nowhere. Yeah. Here's the thing. Three letters. N-I-L. Apparently, that's not, I, the, apparently I, that's not the reasoning. Apparently the money was similar. Can I give you some heartbreaking news? Go for it, buddy. Here's the, here's the thing. Because I, I played at Illinois. It wasn't the money, though. Listen to what I'm telling you. It's the brain. I know. No, I it's know. I understand. Alabama or that. Illinois. I get that. I get that. Georgia or Illinois football. Michigan basketball or Mizzou. Again, I didn't want Jordan Love. I was concerned about what he would do when he Caleb was Love? Caleb Love. Sorry, because I, I, I don't I, want Jordan Love either. <laughs> because I was. I, I, here's the thing: Caleb Love is a, is a great player, but he's a specific t- kind of player. And I think just in Gates' system, he would have taken too many shots. Oh, would you say that though? If Caleb actually, no, did I was pick saying Mizzou? it. I was saying it before he no. got before they when they were in the no. running form and no. before he went to no. Michigan. I was saying that he would not. Yes, I was. I just said it. No. <laughs> I don't believe you. What if Coach Gates would have said... <laughs> he would go 5 of 15 from the field all the time. What if Coach Gates would have said, we're so happy to have him, he was our number one target. Would you have still hated it? I would have disagreeed with his statement. Yeah, I would have disagreed. Dennis Gates doesn't know anything about basketball. Clearly. Well, I can't disagree with a coach just because I, I can't have an opinion. You, you can, can have an opinion. You, you, oh, you, listen. Can you have an opinion? Yeah. Uh, what are you on rock and roll? You saying, are opinionated. I know I am, but I'm... The, I, <laughs> Listen, Gates could have thought one thing. I would have thought something different in this situation. That's all I'm saying. And then what would have happened when your team played against his team next season? I don't have a team. There you go. See what you did there, Randy. We would have forced Jordan Love to go 6 of 17 from the field. That's Jordan what Love does not agree with basketball. Caleb Love, come on. <laughs> Watch too much ESPN. Good Lord. Um, <laughs> Jordan Love probably wouldn't shoot the, the, the corner three very well. No. Quarterbacks are always good shooters. What are you talking yeah. about? Mm, okay. I wanted to get to one piece of audio from earlier in the show today, and that was Greg Amzinger, because let's get some positivity heading out the show. Greg Amzinger talked about why he doesn't, uh, why he's not giving up on the Cardinals just yet, and maybe, maybe what some positivity could come from some moves down the road. But would you be shocked to see Lance Lynn and Lucas Giolito acquired by the Cardinals, and they're both plucked into the starting rotation? I wouldn't be shocked to see Shane Bieber and uh, Zach Plesak acquired by the St. Louis Cardinals and plucked immediately into that rotation. A couple guys that are struggling, uh, maybe guys that are rentals like Lucas Giolito, but I truly believe the Cardinals will go out and get two starting pitchers, and I'm not saying the Cardinals season is over yet. I won't do it. This could be the 2019 Washington Nationals. They were 19-32. and 32. Everybody wanted Dave Martinez fired, and they won the World Series. This stuff has turned around before. I still believe, I still believe we will turn this around. We, not they, St. Louis. How about the positivity from Greg Amzinger? Love the positivity. Well, it's very much in line with like kind of the Cardinals formula that we've seen in recent years, right? Where you go and get some pitchers at the trade deadline. Mm-hmm. I've been saying, I think Shane Bieber would be a perfect fit for the Cardinals. I mean, absolutely perfect. How you pull that off, though, is going to be the big question. Yeah, it's uh, 
It's going to be difficult to come up with the young talent that you're desiring moving for a guy like Bieber and Plesak or a guy like G- Giolito and uh, and uh, Lance Lynn. You know what I love is when people try to – and I love Greg. Greg is awesome, but he, and he's not the only one that does this, obviously. Everyone does it. We always find the exception to the rules as opposed to the actual rules. Oh, yeah. like, you can have 500 teams that go 19 and 32 and 499 of them stink the rest of the year. But that one <laughs> team, you're like you're holding on to that thread, that, mm-hmm. that glimmer of hope. It's just what we do, and me included. We all live for the exception, but, you know, the That's rule we is buy generally tickets, the right? rule. We, we buy tickets. A ticket is basically a license for hope. Yeah. And and tots. Yeah. Right? Oh, and tots. The tots. And tots. Are, if you go into the game today, get some of those uh, ballpark tots. Hey, kids, we've got some Thomas Ritt tickets to give away. 101 ESPN. Uh, can I do the country thing today? Sure. Do okay. it. Do okay. it every day. You're improving oh, every day. Thank you. Every day. 101 ESPN has your chance to score free tickets to see Thomas Rhett with special guest Cole Swindell on Saturday, May 20th at Enterprise Center. Should I go Saturday or Saturday? Saturday. 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 You can do both. Okay, Saturday. May 20th at Enterprise Center. Tickets are on sale now, or you can text in to win Thomas Rhett tickets at 314-399-9646. That's 314-399-YOHO. That's where it goes. Somewhere. I don't know where. You can also register to win free tickets at 101ESPN.com or on the 101 ESPN mobile app under the contest page. Matthew Rocchio, what you got for us? I really hope that's not how my, same, my name would sound in the South. Matthew Rothio. Um Adam Wainwright from the South and with nowhere near an abomination of an accent like that hey. is, is coming back from the St. Louis Cardinals yesterday. We talked to him about his high school years. What position did Adam Wainwright play in the field in high school? What position did Adam Wainwright play the majority of his high school career in the field? Find out and get some Thomas Ritt tickets. All you need to do is text in to 314-399-9646. Yeehaw. I love it. Yeehaw. I think okay. it's great. Tomorrow it will be Friday. Friday. Are we going to be talking about a Cardinal victory or are we going to talk about an Angels sweep? We'll be talking about a victory. They 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 did pretty well. They showed some life. Mm-hmm. It just didn't finish the way that it needed to. So they they know that they can do, you know, they can hit the ball when they need to. Eh, we'll see. For they some be okay. reason, they do well during day games. Didn't they score 14 in a day game last week? Was that the game in Colorado, maybe? 14 to 4? So we need to move all the games to 12. All day games would be so much fun. Let's get it over. Get it in. Get it out. (laughs) That's the new game plan moving forward. We solved it. We solved the problems. More day games. I think that does happen sometimes. You just don't don't have the mojo for night games like you do for day. So, yeah, and the players would really enjoy being able to go out at night. So just mm-hmm. take out the lights. Yeah. Just like Wrigley in the 70s. Or turn out the lights. There you go. That too. Like Teddy Well, Pendergrass. that's a little, a little early. Yeah. Oh, never mind. Uh, always, <laughs> always time for Teddy Pendergrass, baby. Uh, tonight, we've got Warriors and Lakers game two. Pre-game at 7.30 here on 101 ESPN. You want to tune into that. And then you've got game three for those two teams on the sixth, a couple of days down the road. So tune in tonight for... NBA Playoff Basketball here on 101 ESPN. Great job today by our producer engineer, the one, the only Matthew Rocchio. Pleasure. Brooke, was this more fun than you thought it was going to be? Well, I always think it's fun. Every day that I come in, Randy. It's a very, very fun time. Right, CD? My man.
get you a fall guy. Oh, I got to oh, get you a fall change. guy. Yeah, him too. Hey, uh, we thank you for tuning in, texting in, and being a part of the show. And when things unravel here, we just don't go, uh-oh. We just say, hey, we'll just we'll, we'll roll. We'll roll with it. A little oopsie dipsy Yeah. For all of us, until tomorrow morning at 7, have a great Friday Eve, St. Louis. That's right. You've been listening to the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN and ESPN.com. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers.